0: subject to eligibility requirements rewards vary depending on market and expire 24 hours from issuance gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park
1: when you buy Kroger brand products you feel like you're winning that's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices in fact We guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone.
2: If your business needs a new application, then developers will have to write code, a lot of code. If an application needs to be modernized, then you'll need time
5: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to 100 Words to Less, the podcast. I'm your host, Ray Harkins, ever-present to discuss independent music, punk, hardcore, indie rock, all that fun stuff, because, uh, you know, that's, that's what we all care about, right? That's what, like, d- is deep within our DNA and our bones, that we love this stuff, and we still uh, still care about it or are just discovering it. Like, I would love to transport myself back to being, like, 16 years old and discover this podcast And just listen to these interviews because I would be like, man, this is great. It's like, you know, when I discovered zines, where it's like, oh man, I could not get enough. And I can't even imagine what I would do if I would trip across this podcast and all the other podcasts that cover this beautiful, beautiful scene of music. But, anyways, I'm going to make this very tight and very quick because this is a very long episode, but incredibly important. So, I had an idea. This, I don't know, this was one of my shower ideas that I like to call. Where um, you know you just come up with the idea and you're like, you know what, I want to put this in action. I think this would be cool. So basically, this is it's kind of like a uh, I call it a self audit, as it were. I approached my friend Scott Krauss, who plays guitar in Earth Crisis, and has also played in a band called Sect, and he, you know he's just a very prolific musician. But Earth Crisis is clearly you know the the thing that he is known for, and uh, I wanted to go over each and every single one of Earth Crisis's full lengths from Destroy the Machines all the way to their most recent LP and just kind of like try to get a snapshot, a time and a place, like where the band's head was at, funny anecdotal stories that may have been happening, like why they chose to record with this person, you know, why did they decide to work with this particular record label? Because there's so many things that kind of get lost to the ether And uh, I just thought that this would be not only fun for me, but fun for Scott to kind of talk about and discuss. And then also interesting for you, like, I thought I knew a lot about Earth Crisis. (laughs) You know, they're clear like one of my favorite bands of all time. But in learning even more by asking Scott these direct questions and kind of doing it in chronological order, he blew my mind on like... 10 to 15 different occasions. It was so, so cool. So I'm really, really proud of this conversation. And I thank Scott greatly for contributing to this and uh, entertaining this, uh, this idea. And if you like it, please email the show 100 words, podcast at gmail.com because I plan on doing this uh, in the future with, uh, some other people who I know would be, uh, you know, good candidates for this because, to me, a good candidate for this is a person who, uh, you know, doesn't have uh, a sense of ego about their work, is able to speak plainly about the, you know, successes and failures of uh, whatever it is that they do. And uh, Scott Krauss was was perfect for this. And uh, yeah, I hope some other people will uh, will be interested in this idea as well. But um, yeah, that's, that's all I'm going to say. But I'll, I'll, I'll dive in at the very, very tail end of the episode to tell you about, of course, the upcoming week's episode. But uh, I, I'm really, really proud of this. So please share, rate, and review this podcast. Share this specific episode because I'm just really proud of it, and I'm really proud of the conversation we have. So here we go. It's a little bit, a uh, little bit of a different, different flavor, as it were. But uh, I, like I said, I, I think you really enjoy it. So let's strap in and enjoy the deep, deep dive. Into Earth Crisis's catalog and all of their full-length records. Like, I'll be clear. It's their full-lengths. I'm not diving into their EPs and everything like that. It is all full-lengths from here on out. So that's what we got. All right? I'll talk to you at the end of the episode. No, totally. It's, and plus, it's like those, those details, um, you know, like satisfy... Uh, you know, a very small subset of people where it's like, yeah, oh, I don't, yeah, yeah I don't, yeah.
6: Like, I don't care. Like, <laughs> I don't care about that. It's irrelevant. Yeah,
5: it's <laughs> totally. It was, it was but, recorded and it sounded good. And that's what we were happy with.
6: <laughs> or, or it didn't, or it did. And you just that's dealt true. with it. <laughs> yeah. No. Totally. You know, well, that's th- so. That's most of the time. probably what I'll say in here. And I didn't like it, but that was all the money we had. Yeah. So,
5: <laughs> no. It, it, it's fun. It's funny too. That was. That's actually a, a good point to kind of start off with, because like I think it. You know, it, the the time that you know, I mean, Earth Crisis started to exist and record and everything like that. You know, like I mentioned, we're you know just going to highlight the full lengths and stuff like that. But you know, the early to mid '90s was so weird for hardcore bands because. Uh, there was no context for most producers and engineers to like how to capture these sounds. They were like, well, it's not metal, but it's obviously it's not like, yeah. and so I'm sure every studio you went into leading up to destroy the machines was basically some version of that where you're like, Oh, this guy like knows how to track, but like, I don't, I don't know. They don't really know what to do with us. Or was that, am I just reading too much into that?
6: No, no, no. That, yeah, I would say that's, yeah, a hundred percent accurate. I mean, uh, You know, Jimmy and and Sect, like he and I talk about that all the time. Like having to explain, you know, to a producer, like an engineer, like when you're in there, like, hey, um," you know, Jimmy, he makes it funny. He's like, I want all the drums to sound like a kick drum. And the guy's like, What do you mean? He's like, I want all of them just to sound like the kick drum. And he's like, What? That doesn't make any sense to me. And he's like, Mm -hmm. Yeah, but that's what I want. And and basically, because when we're kids, we don't know how to describe it either, right? So we're like, You basically are, are telling him, I just want, all the drums have a lot of attack to them, like the kick drum, that click, that that punch, you know. But when you're when you're like 15, you don't know the terminology, you don't know, you know, So you're just like, dude, they all need to sound like a kick drum, and the guy, they're just looking at you like you're crazy, and you're looking at them like, why can't you get this? And <laughs> yeah, but and there, but there's no record to just put on and say, this is it, you know. I, obviously now, you know, there's plenty, but yeah, back then it was a, yeah, there was not very many records that I felt like achieved sonically what they wanted to you liked the music and there was something about it that you that you just connected with but sonically they didn't nothing sounded great you know everything sounded pretty mediocre really yeah (laughs) and and no
5: totally and it is interesting too where i was just like you know over the years because you know taking release stuff on goodfellow records obviously became close with chris logan and chokehold and like i always liked chokehold but the um every single recording they have ever done sounds like, you know, trash cans being thrown down a hallway. And right. like, <laughs> and it, it, yeah. and it, it it was just a symptom of that fact where it's just like, well, yeah, like everybody we recorded with, like, you know, like they didn't know what they were doing to capture what it was that we were trying to get. And we just got it as close as humanly possible <laughs> to the thing yeah. that we thought.
6: Well, and then the sad thing is you grow a fan base sounding like that. So when you finally get to the point where you're like, holy shit, we got ourselves a sound, like we want to sound everyone's like i don't like it you guys suck <laughs> where's the trash cans going down the hallway it's okay. you know what i mean it's totally that's what we loved we loved the trash cans going down the hallway even though you were disappointed as hell with every record that you've ever done it, but that's be, they got popular off that so now you know if they put out something that which i, I actually they did right they put yep. out like an ep or something and it does sound pretty good yep. <laughs> so <laughs> i don't know how well it's received but i can imagine the the, the older people are like wait dude
7: yeah this is, is way too pa- good right yeah <laughs> way too polished yeah. man yeah yeah
5: yeah, exactly <laughs> uh, so you know kicking things off with uh destroy the machines like you know clearly you guys had you know experience working with record labels and like you know you had kind of you know you you had done enough stuff to where going into a studio wasn't the idea wasn't uncomfortable at this point or you know maybe it was maybe I, i'm just you know giving you guys more credit maybe than you had but um Heading, heading into the studio, was there, um, I guess, like a sense, not even anticipation from the outside world, but just like, you know, were you guys like incredibly excited? Were you guys nervous? Like, you know, where, what was, you, you don't have to speak for the whole band. Obviously you could speak for yourself, yeah. but you know, what was kind of the headspace as you were entering, you know, to record your debut full length?
6: Uh, yeah, I was I was definitely nervous because we had chose to work with, these guys that i as far as musicians were just like cuts above us like they were on a different level they were they were metal guys like progressive metal guys like that could really play you know Mm -hmm. and so i was like you know man i need to practice i need to have my stuff down like i don't want to look like an idiot in front of these people you know and like and also we had just um lost our second guitar player at the time so we we recorded destroy the machines we were a four piece for a little while. We didn't play out like that, but we didn't have a guitar player near the end of writing it, another guitar player near the end of writing it and the recording of it. So I played all the guitar on it. So I had a, I felt a lot of pressure. Like I was pretty nervous, but that only lasted I think until maybe the first session. And, and those guys were like so unbelievably cool and supportive. And uh, and we were friends like our friend Jim Winters was really tight with those guys. It was uh, Joe and Kurt who were from the band Believer and so I think once we got there, too, and saw their setup, it, it, it humbled us a, a lot, too, because they were like, you know, it was, it was a home recording situation where they were like in their grandma's basement, you know, and it was not plush or fancy at right. all. It was, it was very DIY. And so I think when we got there, we were like, oh, all right, these guys are kind of like like us. They're from our, they're sort of from our world. They're just way better players, you know? Right. And um, so... It, you know, and they were just really supportive and cool and complimentary. I just remember being very uh, like proud because I, when I would track, the dude would just keep telling me, "Dude, you're super tight. Like this is great. Yeah, this is gonna sound great." And he was just really like positive, you know. So I think after the first session, we were all like, "Oh, this is gonna be killer." You know, this is fine. But yeah, going into it, I was really nervous because first record where it all kind of was on my shoulders as far as guitar went, and yeah, these guys were like. I really looked up to him. I loved, like, I, I still love the Believer Dimensions album. It's like one of my favorite records, you know, probably of all time. And so, yeah, going into it, recording with people that you really look up to, yeah, it was pretty nerve wracking. I probably was, I don't know, 18 or something too. Right, right. So, yeah, and I, you know, and I knew I wasn't like the player that, those guys were like, I, there was no fantasy. I wasn't like, Oh, I'm as good as, you know, no, I knew like, I'm not as good as these guys.
5: <laughs> like, totally. I'm not going to live yeah. up to that, that, that yeah.
7: standard. Yeah, yeah.
6: Yeah. And I had like a solo, like, I remember being super nervous and uh, it was like in new ethic, there's a solo. And I was like, Oh man, I gotta, you know, I gotta work this out, make it at least passable within my talent level, you know? And I remember, uh, so our friend Jim is there and he's just like, he doesn't speak much. I don't know if you know Jim. He just kinda of does a lot of hand gestures and shakes his head and stuff. <laughs> yeah. And he's and he's like he's shaking his head in disapproval while I'm doing it. Like, no, no. And they yeah, they kind of spoke up. They were like, hey, you know, let him do it the way he wants to do it, you know? And then they chimed in, they were like, What if you hit that note instead of that note and you know, this and that? And they were real cool. Like I it was a really good experience actually recording with those guys.
5: That's cool. Well, especially too, yeah. I think when you are Cause I, I mean, I presume that you guys chose to work with them based on, you know, like their previous records, like most bands do of, you know, like when you're whatever, 16, 17, 18 years old, like all you're doing is looking at the records that you enjoy to be like, and I mean, you know, frankly, even as you get older, you just look, you're like, Oh, who recorded this record? Let's do it with them.
6: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 And well, that's what it was. Yeah. We, we loved, uh, Jim had come, you know, we had played some shows with conviction and, um, which was Jim's winner's band and mm-hmm. he had come up and played us like hey listen i played some guitar and bass on this this album you got to hear it and like the production was like unbelievable for the time like it was just yeah and so and that these guys did it in like their mom's basement like that we were just like yeah we we want to record with these dudes because at the same time like kind of what we were talking about previously where every hardcore record just there was nothing that came out that i was like man i want to sound like that like i remember Snapcase went to Don Fury, you mm-hmm. know, in New York and, and, and they went there cause every New York hardcore band went there. And, but I was like, why would, why do you want to go there? Like the, all these bands don't sound good though. Like the bands are good. I'm not knocking any of the bands that recorded. That. I love a sure. lot of the records that came out of there, but not the production. I like the records. I like the music. I like the performance, you know, yep. but the production sucks. But, and I, and we knew like we, that's not what we're going for. Like we need, We need something that we want sonically to sound different, like set us apart from all this other stuff that, you know, all these same bands go to the same five studios. We want to go somewhere different. So we sound completely different than everybody else.
5: Yeah. No. And I I honestly, I think that really, you know, those are the records that you remember. Cause yeah, you notice this and it happens time and time again where producers get hot and whether you like their recordings or not, it just kind of is where most bands gravitate to. And then it is the record or two or band or two that sticks out that cho- does what you guys did and chooses a person that's like, Oh yeah, maybe not on the radar. A- and you know, you get a record that, you know, can kind of sit like, cause people can listen to the story of the machines now and be like, Oh yeah. Like it, you know, it yes, you can understand it was recorded some, you know, 20 odd years ago, but it, it's not, it doesn't sound dated from that perspective sonically, you know? Um, right.
6: It's not, yeah. It's not completely out of, yeah, there's some stuff you listen to now, and you're just like, "Whoa, that is yeah. uh, 1997 yeah, a or what?" Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But yeah, that's not. Yeah, it, it, to me, I mean, we were we. It, there was disappointments with it within the band for sure, um, but it was it wasn't so much anything that they did or anything that could have been remedied at the time. It was just growing, you know, as a band. Like you were getting better. You look back on it and you're like, you know, the main thing was Carl's vocals. Like he was never happy with it he was going through a transitional phase you know mm-hmm. he uh, firestorm he blew his voice out you know during the recording of that and so he was trying to find a new voice and he was working with like his mom is a opera singer um i don't know how many people know that but his mom is was actually a pretty famous opera singer oh. and she um yeah and she was teaching him like breathing technique and where to sing from and you know so he was finding his voice again, you know, during that record. And it, it just didn't have the bite, you know, he didn't lose it d- yeah. at all during the, in the recording process. And he was practicing better technique, but it just didn't have the bite that Firestorm had. So, you know, it was always a little bit of a, um, like to us, like, man, damn it. We almost, we almost nailed it. You know? <laughs> right. Right. Well, yeah. no,
5: that, I mean, that that's very, that, yeah, I, I had no clue about that, but that, I mean, it, there is a distinct difference between the two, but it's not like, yeah, you know, to whatever, my untrained, you know, 15 or 16-year-old ear, like, I notice a difference, but it, it didn't... Um
6: you know, it, 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 was, it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't
5: bad. Right. 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 Yeah. Right. It didn't diminish. Yeah, my. It wasn't enjoyment.
6: like, wow, this guy, this guy stinks now or anything. Right. It was just like, he, yeah, it's just like, oh, he's di-, you know, he's got a different voice on this one, which happens a lot for for bands. You know, uh-huh. I mean, every, you know, if you listen to a lot of bands, like early records are very different than obviously later records because people progress, people get better. They learn better technique and, you know. Yeah. But yeah, that was always a, that's a, I think that's the big thing. I mean, sure. Like, yeah, the guitar sounds pretty dated like we wouldn't probably record something that sounded like that today but Mm -hmm. at the time it was it was pretty unique and i think especially unique for the scene that we were operating in
5: oh totally yeah yeah Yeah. Uh, and so uh, did you guys like did you record it all in like one chunk like you know were you like oh we're out for 30 days and we're gonna record this or did you guys like
6: travel back and forth we traveled back and forth yeah we did it on weekends basically because that was Um, I think that was what our schedule allowed. And that was what their schedule allowed too. those guys all had day jobs and stuff. So we were, um, yeah, we were doing like three day weekends. I think we drive down, it was about what, maybe four or five hours from Syracuse. It was in a really, really tiny town in Pennsylvania. Um, I mean, yeah, it, it like a town is giving it more credit than it deserves, honestly. Like, <laughs> yes, I mean, Col- I even, Coldbrook Is that where it like, yeah, it wasn't cold. It's not Coldbrook. uh, Victory wrote that wrong on that. It's Colebrook, like C O L E. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, Lo- yeah, love the so internet. Col- yeah, so it's Colebrook, Pennsylvania. Yeah, so but it's very small, and I don't, you know, I don't remember like eating. I like, I know we ate obviously, but I don't remember <laughs> like where we went yeah. or like. I can't remember. I can't even think of like where we went. I remember Jim made us uh, like ice cream, and it right. blew my mind because he was like the first dude that ever like he made. I'm like, you made ice cream, you know? I was like, <laughs> blew my mind, and he's like, yeah, and it was really good. Yeah, but you I know, remember that- a lot of weird things about it, like staying at Jim's house and we watched a episode of uh like Maury Povich or something all about Tourette syndrome
7: okay sure.
6: and and he just sat there and just he just played it over and over and laughed his ass off about it and we were just like I mean it was pretty entertaining you know but sure. I, that's just like the weirdest things like I remember about that I barely remember being in there playing or right. like or, Dennis or tracking drums yeah <laughs> yeah I don't remember like in Dennis tracking drums I don't remember it at all Right. Like I remember little bits of it and I remember the, the ceiling being very, very low
5: uh-huh.
6: and, and thinking like, well, that can't be good. Like it, the symbols are almost like touching the, the ceiling, you know, right. like that's weird. But I trusted, you know, I was like, well, these guys are professionals. I guess they know what they're doing. But it, looking back on it now, yeah, not an ideal room to play drums in for sure. But yeah.
5: It works. Yeah. Know? Yeah. No, that's, that, that's super funny. Um, so you, as you guys finished it and obviously turned it into the label and, you know, scheduled up for release and everything like that. Um, you know, the, the record comes out and like, did you because, you know, clearly trying to put, you know, 1985 in context for, you know, people born of the Internet age is next to impossible. But like, did you guys, uh, you know, I, I guess feel a reaction once you put it out and like once it started to kind of matriculate out in the world or was it kind of a slow roll where it was like, OK, like a year after we put it out, you know, now I notice people, um, you know, like reacting to the songs and stuff like that. Or was it pretty quick?
6: Uh, no, I, for us, we always have like a, a thing that we say, you know, in the band and it's, they're always going to like, you know, by the time we put the next record out, they'll like the, they'll like the one we put out before. You <laughs> right. Know? So it's like, you know, so yeah, we were still, I don't remember. I mean, yeah, I think the touring that we did off that one, yeah, it was, it was definitely getting, there was a lot of progress being made in the band at that time for sure. You mm-hmm. know, like we did a, we were getting tour offers and, but I don't remember, the shows being like you know super crazy for as far as like those songs or anything, right? right. It, it was it was sort of quiet. Yeah, I, I, I remember you know obviously like the firestorm and all out war stuff were like the hits live. Sure, at that point, but then it was like yeah. By the time the next record came out, yeah, destroy the machines was where the hits. A couple of those, you know,
5: totally. Yeah, but, yeah. You started to and plus, it, you know, at that time too, it's like records really did take a moment to matriculate and get through the system to like, you know, get to the record stores and get to the distro tables and stuff like that, as opposed to, you know, you release a record then like a week later, all of a sudden everyone knows it.
6: Well, yeah. And I think, and I think one of the things for earth crisis that was always a little frustrating that I think we didn't understand until we became much older was like, we, we weren't like the kind of music that we write and and that we were writing. It wasn't the bands that we were playing with were very like live show oriented music you know they they were writing back like backup vocals and they were writing these like you know like three word you know chant sing-alongs you know finger pointy type stuff like that's what we were playing with so we would see these bands play and we we're like man we're not getting this kind of reaction like what's up you know yeah and sure. but we were writing like you know obviously like the firestorm stuff had a little bit of that going on but not really even to that level, you know, like those bands, it wasn't geared toward that. It was like, we were trying to write, we were trying to write not to diss those bands, but music, you know, like we were trying to write, not like for, think about it in a live sense, like just let's write something that sounds cool. It's something that people can listen to over and over again and maybe find something that they didn't hear the first two times, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't very, we were trying not to be very one dimensional, you know? So I think we would, um, you know, it was frustrating because we were like, man, I don't think these songs are connecting with people. But then it was like later we'd find out, we'd read reviews and stuff. And years down the road, we, I think we realized like, oh, Destroy the Machines is like a, a big record for people. Right? Like we didn't really know that, you yeah. know, like, because we weren't getting the same reaction as like a Strife or somebody or, you know, whoever we were playing with, you know, we would play and they would get these sing-alongs and pylons and stuff. And we just got a lot of like head bobbing and <laughs> a couple breakdowns, kids would, you know, go crazy or whatever. But for the most part, we just got to kind of head-bomb and people paying attention. And I think, yeah, very different bands. Like, in hindsight, looking back, and of course, like, where were, we didn't, ha- where's this huge finger-point sing-along part in Destroy the Machines? There's not really one, you know? No, it's a,
5: it, it's a really yeah. good point, because it, it definitely, you know, <laughs> speaking as an outsider, like, the, you know, I mean, lyrically and musically, it's like, both of them, I, I mean... M- some people can look at Earth Crisis and just be like, oh, you know, whatever, overgeneralize and be like, oh, yeah, whatever. It's just a dumb hardcore band thinking about, you know, veganism and straight edge or whatever. But like yeah. when you, you like <laughs> there were some words lyrically yeah. that I was like, I've like never even heard this word. Like <laughs> right, so I had right. to like look up the definition and yeah, you and then on the on the music side of things. Yeah, there was definitely a technicality that didn't exist within um you know hardcore from that perspective and you know metalcore or whatever so i understand what you're talking about where it's like yeah this is gonna have to simmer for a while before we actually
6: see yeah that type of reaction or whatever yeah not to yeah not to you know pat yourself on the back too much no, but understand. yeah it was yeah. a little there was a little bit more thought put into it i suppose it was it was a little it was meant to be a little bit deeper you know not sure not just a surface level party at a show you know it was like we wanted to write thoughtful music with thoughtful lyrics you know and and that's what was always frustrating like you said you know you'd read the reviews and everyone just you know oh it's you know mindless e chug blah 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 and i was like dude there that's just so not true (laughs) (laughs) you know like i can criticize myself i'm you know i'm i'm i do it all the time and i always have been a, a really harsh critic on myself and that's just one that i never will Except because it, it, it's not true. Like we were yeah. doing everything we could to not be just like, you know, something dumbed down like firestorm kind of dumbed down, but sure. just that part though. Yeah. Just the part. You know. Totally.
5: Totally. Yeah. yeah. J- right. 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 Just, <laughs> yeah. Just that part that obviously incites the, you know, crowd reaction, but like everything yeah. else. Yeah. Just you look a little deeper. So yeah.
6: <laughs> yeah. It was clear. It was people that were saying that were clearly playing the first five seconds of firestorm, turning it off and, and, and making an assumption, you yeah. know,
5: yeah, <laughs> yeah no totally that makes sense um yeah. and so I know this is kind of cheating, but you know I'm mentioning California takeover just because that was um you know i mean from an outsider's perspective like you know live records like you know they existed within hardcore but not to the extent of what I feel like this was. Essentially, to me, just like this really heightened, glorified sampler of, you know, some of the largest bands within the context of hardcore at that time. And it captured a live energy in a way that I don't think and still to this day, like even listening to it, you know, whatever this week, I was like, my God, like there is so much that this, you know, simple live album is doing. Um, and I don't, I don't, know. I mean, I, I'm sure you guys were just like, oh, cool. Like this is a show that's being recorded and, you know, eventually it will be put out, um, you know, like for, for the masses to enjoy. But like, yeah. did, I mean, did you guys, I guess, kind of feel the impact of that? Or was that just kind of like, oh yeah, this is something that we're doing. Uh,
6: no, I think we knew it was, it felt like a big deal. It, and I think especially felt like a big deal. Cause that was the first show that we played after our van accident. So we hadn't played a show since we crashed the van and Dennis almost died. And, sure. um, you know, I guess in in a not really openly discussed way, but I know everybody was thinking like, is this it? Are we done? You know, are we not going to play as a band anymore? And yeah, so we got the, you know, the call like, hey, we're doing these two shows in California. Um, you know, you guys Snapcase and strife and do you want to do them? And we were like, Oh yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, it was supposed to be, I don't remember the live record part. I remember it was supposed to be like a, a VHS. It was supposed to be, it was videoed. Mm-hmm. There was a videotape of it, which, I don't really remember why, but Tony would always just be like, no, it's not good. And we're like, well, let us see it. We want to, we, we're curious. We want to see how, cause the show was so, well, both shows, there was two shows. Right. And, but the, yeah, the, the show at the whiskey was so good. I mean, it was, it was, you know, at the time, I guess, you, you know, I, obviously now I know what the capacity of the whiskey is, but I mean, I swear they, it was double what they could right. fit in there. Yeah. Like 7,000 people. Was, right. Yeah, it felt so much. You know, it felt like eight hundred people. I know the place only holds like four hundred or something, but it's uh, it was just so good. And yeah, like you said, like the energy of the day was just so good. And you know, it was it was just a good time in general. Like everybody got along, like uh, us and Snapcase and Strife, and not that we don't get along now, Mm -hmm. but it was just a good vibe. We were all friends. We were all uh, you know working toward the same goals and and just a mutual respect for one another at the same time too. So it was just. It was a good time. And yeah, Tony came out and everybody was happy. There was no legalities. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
5: It was a moment. Well, it felt, I mean, I I think too, the idea of just like something like that happening where it's like, okay, we're doing these, you know, special shows in California, you know, where people are flying out to it and like, you know, not joining on tour and like all of that just felt kind of unique. Because, that was know,
6: pretty unheard of at the time. Yeah. Right. I remember like I remember when he said, like, we're just gonna fly out for two shows. We were like, what? Like <laughs> that was just something people never did. Like, totally. They didn't do that. Yeah. yeah. You drove across the country to get to California. Like you earned it. You didn't fly out there like you were Metallica or something. Right. You know?
5: so, yeah, it's like you it's know, almost like, 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 wait, that's an option? <laughs> yeah.
6: yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. We still I mean that was an option that even after we did it, it was never an option again. Like we were like, you can't. We can never do that again. I, you know, in hindsight, man, I wish there was an adult around to be like, "Hey, dudes, skip Lawrence, Kansas. All right, just fly right out to California and totally. do a week. You
5: know? Just do the yeah, just yeah. do the West Coast, and you know, everybody will be fine." Um, yeah. So does the you you still to this day you have never seen like a, the quote unquote professional video footage that Tony has recorded? Um, and have you heard? No, any? he had.
7: Okay.
6: Yeah, he had like a full production. Like, I, I like there was you know, he hired a, a, like a whole production crew. Like, mm-hmm. and I, I don't remember what it was about it that he didn't like, but maybe the audio was messed up or something. I well, it yeah. couldn't have been cause the record came out. So they re- couldn't just use that. I don't, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't know. It's just in the I, archives. I don't know what it was. He and, was just not, yeah, it's somewhere. But I, I remember like, you know, heard rumors like somebody had told us like, Oh dude, we saw it. It was awesome. Like, there was. It seemed like there was a weird reason he didn't want to put it out. I'm not saying anything sinister, but there was just no. something he didn't like about it.
7: Right? Didn't like that how it came Probably off.
6: everybody else would have been fine with, or maybe there was even an issue with the company over the money, or I don't know. But yeah, yeah, it's a shame because I think yeah, that would be and that it, would be cool.
5: Have you ever? Have you heard? Because clearly, you know, the entire sets for each band were recorded. Like, have you heard? Like, did you guys? Select the songs that were going to appear on it, or was that kind of just like, oh, here, like, dude, this was Tony's opinion, and you guys agreed with it?
6: No, we did have we had say in it, but I don't really remember the process. Honestly. Sure, sure, sure. Like, yeah, I, like we, I remember having say. I don't remember any of the reason why we chose what we chose, or I guess maybe we listened, and those ones the ones we felt like we did, we performed best, you know, like sure. sounded best. Um, there was no like. You know, because we had done stuff later on, like the Ozfest DVD and stuff, and they wanted us to go in and like touch up stuff. So we actually touched up some things on that re- on that recording. But yeah, the the California Takeover, there was none of that. It was just yeah, it is what it is, you know.
5: Wow, I had um, no I had no idea that because I mean, I definitely re- remember that Ozfest. Yeah, we always after taking practice, we would always watch that Ozfest DVD and then you know like watch your footage and then watch Neurosis's black and white footage. But so yeah. you got you guys, you, you guys went back in and did like overdubs on that
6: yeah there was a couple vocal things like because uh. uh because it was like dude, it was the- it was the windiest day of my life like i <laughs> on like honestly, like I remember Ian and I after the set like trying to get back to like our tent or trailer or whatever it was, and like we were walking in it, and we were we couldn't move, like we were both like, dude, you know we could not move, so like the wind was just stopping us from walking, like it was just so crazy windy, and we um uh, while we were playing it was just it was like people were shoveling dirt at, at us it was just dirt like flying in our faces so Carl was like literally taking like handfuls of dirt to the mouth when he would open his mouth to take a breath to sing
7: Wow. and so
6: and so there was a couple parts where he kind of like choked out he was you know like sure. you'd kind of hear him like cough a little bit so mm-hmm. yeah I think it was on a like a tour the next time we toured I remember we were playing a sh- we were playing at like again like the whiskey or one of those places and some people came and were like, "Hey, we're we're down at the studio down here doing like overdubs for like the Ozfest DVD, and we want you to come just do a couple quick vocal lines." And he's like, uh, "Okay." Like nobody had set it up. Like these guys just like showed up to the show and were like, "You, you gotta come, you gotta come do this." And so he went he went down and did it and came back he's like yeah it was just literally like two lines they needed me to punch in so wow like,
7: yeah oh, that's yeah.
5: A, yeah i mean I, I it makes sense like obviously it's a you know a, a, that's a very professional uh, <laughs> project yeah. that's getting put together so they wanted to make sure everything was uh, you know buttoned up but that's
6: super interesting but so weird how unprofessionally they did it that right. that was the <sighs> thing that really that's true I that's did. true <laughs> They never co- like contacted the label or anything. It was just like, "Hey, we're gonna catch you while you're at the show. Come on, it's literally a block away. Let's go." You know?
5: Wow. Yeah. That, yeah. that that's true. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> like, yeah, we'll just put this together. Yeah, we don't. I, I know this. Uh, this song appears on a record from a record label, but it's fine. That's fine. We'll just we'll, <laughs> we'll just figure it out.
6: Yeah, we'll figure it out. Yeah, exactly.
5: <laughs> um, and so then, with you know, looking at Gamora Season Ends, like, clearly that was a record that uh, people, I mean, I, I specifically remember anticipating, like, you know, going to my local independent record store and, you know, seeing the the posters up and like, oh, dude, Gamora Season End drops in like, you know, April or whatever the month it came out. Um, you know, I, I feel like you, you guys probably at this point had you know, more, uh, I guess, options in regards to like people who to record with. And like, you know, th- this also was, I mean, cause you guys put that out in 96. I mean, at least according to the internet and my memory. Yeah,
7: uh, it's like, true. Yeah. That's,
5: <laughs> that's pretty, I-, I know you are a prolific songwriter. Like, you know, you focus on that, but like, that's really quick. Like, you know, that's yeah. whatever a year, year and a half. And I understand that you know, your first full length, you have your entire life to write, but then, you know, the follow up needs to happen within like 12 to 18 months or whatever. Um, yeah. but anyways, we, so d- yeah.
6: Yeah. We didn't really have those schedule, you know, like, it, like we learned those schedules later, probably after Gamora season ends. But I think at that point, like our, we were just setting ourselves, like we got to churn it out. Like we just loved playing, like we loved writing music. And like we, uh, truthfully, I think Earth Crisis always, enjoyed that aspect of things more than anything like we we loved writing records and gotcha. we pra- i mean we practiced like like strictly like 3 days a week like monday wednesdays and fridays we practiced and it was like everybody showed up you know it was there was no there was, nobody missed out and it was it was mostly just writing songs like we would just sit there and churn out songs and um yeah so i mean the goal for us i think was we didn't really ever say it but i think all of us knew like we want to put a record out every year like wow. that's what we want yeah that's that's what we wanted to do yeah you know because every time because i was like i was saying like when we finished a record we immediately like two weeks after we were like we can do better than that let's do better than that you know like we never wanted to just like rest on it and we were like let's improve like let's get better so i mean yeah that and that was gamora's like it was like okay destroy the machines was cool like we're, we did, we, we progressed, we got better, but we can do better than that, you know?
5: Yeah. Wow. That's just, yeah. I mean, cause that, that's, that's a, yeah, that's just quick and a lot, but like you said, you were on, you were on your own schedule and not, yeah. Uh, at this point there, you know, the, the trappings of the music business as it were, weren't as developed. So you guys were operating more off of instinct and your own personal preference rather than the, you know, the music business cycle. Right. Whatever.
6: Yeah. Nobody was telling us like, Oh, you got 12 months or, you know, none yeah. of that. It was just, yeah, we were just like, no, we wanted to do it. You know, we wanted to, we wanted to put a. We were like, okay, put the record out, and then yeah, let's get this touring stuff out of the way. And then you know, like <laughs> yeah, yeah. like for us, I mean, we liked it, I think, to a point, you know. But for the most part, yeah, I think that we like playing live. But yeah, it's the other, you know, twenty three hours of the day that suck. You know, when you are playing shows, totally. But yeah, the, but none of us, I think, would have ever complained about. Meeting up in the practice room and working on new songs, or you know, yeah. we, we always really enjoyed doing that.
7: Yeah, no,
5: that's cool. And did you, uh, you know, because you guys recorded in Syracuse with uh Steve Feldman, and like, did yeah. you guys, like, were there, I guess, more options for you at that point? Like, was there a lot of discussion on like, oh, how and you know, like, did you feel, I, I guess, more of a, a weight on this one just because you know, clearly, like, second full length, sophomore slump, like, you know, I, I'm sure that that wasn't entering your headspace, but you know, there is definitely different expectations going into uh, another record as opposed to your first record.
6: Yeah. I, I mean, you know, I've said this before in a couple of interviews and it, again, this is something that took me, I don't think I was consciously aware of it like when it was happening, but like now when I look back, it was definitely like every record up into a point was like, I guess up until Gamora's was like, for me it was like kind of an answer to criticisms, you know, like, and I like we really didn't want to be seen as like like, oh, the little vegan kids, you know, like mm-hmm. we wanted we wanted to do something like write a record that's like undeniable, like that, that, that people that hated us for being straight edge and people that hated us for being vegan had to like listen and be like, yeah, but this is pretty damn good. You know, like totally. I yeah, these guys suck. I hate what they say, but man, we can't deny that this is good. You know,
7: mm-hmm.
6: and and that like Gamora's for me. That was like forefront of my mind. Like I was like, we're gonna write like a record that like hardcore kids are, are gonna be undeniable. Like this is good, and like even like metal dudes and like neurosis kind of people are gonna be like, hey, this is pretty damn good. These little kids are wrote an awesome record. And that was like yeah, for me it was it was just an answer to like things I read in magazines. And like like I brought up earlier, like, oh the, the single note e chug, blah blah blah. And it's like, okay, well we'll put some notes in this one then. You know, like if you if you don't like the e chug stuff, okay, well we'll we'll throw a little bit of that in there, but it's gonna be very noty, you know? <laughs> it's gonna, totally it's gonna it's gonna show, you know, that we know how to play. And right. um, that makes yeah, sense. And that was yeah, that was really like the the idea behind it, like it was, you know, I didn't know the term, but it was, yeah, very progressive as far as metal went and, and hardcore went at the time.
5: Yeah, but, oh, for, for sure, it makes it makes sense because yeah, you were you were going to be, the, like I was saying, the you know expectations um, can come from. You know, so many different things, whether it's, you know, the business side, whether it's, you know, like you said, trying to, you know, silence critics, trying to get, you know, certain people who you respect to be like, no, like, we're actual musicians or whatever. It's like, yeah, all that can all kind of congeal
6: together. Yeah. yeah and that's really what it was. Yeah. It was just like all the, you know, all the stuff that we had dealt with at that point And, you know, a lot of just negative stuff. I mean, which is, you know, really Earth crisis and it is whole like, or you know, Earth crisis is, is a lot of negative energy. It's a lot of rage. It's a lot of like hatred you know out you know hatred at the world inner hatred like it's just negativity and that's what a lot of people really like don't like about it like the people that hate it you know hate the band like if they really like look back on it and or or, i mean really delve into why they don't like it it's negativity you know and it's it was always meant to be like that you know it doesn't reflect who we are on a daily basis walking around the streets but yeah that's what the band was about that's what a lot of metal and hardcore bands are about you know maybe we took it a little bit darker, you know, which was our goal, truthfully, sure. but you know, like, yeah, with, with Gamora's, I mean, I think that was like the pinnacle of like, okay, we're gonna try to write like a vibey record that like has some of the, that that brings out some of the, like sonically brings out some of the uh, negativity that we're trying to convey, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that but, makes, that makes total sense. Yeah, answer, and answering the question, though, yeah, we did have options as far as where we wanted to record. Um, but, the, you know, so this record was, at, again, after the van crash. And uh, I think California Takeover... So we had already recorded it by the time we played California Takeover. Oh, okay. I'm pretty sure. E- either we had... We either were just about to... I know it was written because some of those songs are, we played at the show. I, but, um, yeah, so basically when we got into the van crash, we we use that time to like, okay, we're going to try to figure out where we're going to record the next record. You know what? Like, let's really like, this'll be a strategy time while Dennis is hurt, you know? And so we did path resistance. Um, and really, I think the big idea behind path resistance was just to play, just to play a little bit while Dennis was hurt. But also we wanted to test out a couple studios. We were like, Oh, let's go record this somewhere. So we went to Normandy sound in Rhode Island and recorded that record. and, that's where we really wanted to record, um, to go more season ends. But ah, okay. when we went, so when we went there for path, um, we didn't really have the best experience there. Um, mostly because we were idiots and we were just being dicks and the engineer was very <laughs> professional. Sure. Like he was, <laughs> he was very, very professional. We were like fucking around with fireworks and just being total idiots. And he kicked, he kicked half the band out of the control room. Cause we were just, yeah, we were obnoxious. And, uh, he was working with like Donnie Wahlberg at night. Like he had <sighs> Donny Wahlberg had like a,
7: yeah.
6: had like a, a girl pro, like that he was working with, like a, a, a female singer uh-huh. that he was working with. And so he was, he had nights and so we only had up until like six o'clock every day. So we had just the entire evening it to do nothing. And, and it was snowing like crazy. So we were trapped in this little apartment at the studio. So we just went nuts and we were like, yeah, just banging on the walls and just acting like idiots. And he came up and yelled at us a bunch of times. Plus, So I don't know that we were welcome back there, but also, um, it it was just so expensive. Like we were just like, I don't think we could really do the record that we want to do here for this amount of money, for the amount of money that we'll have to spend, you know? Mm -hmm. And so we, um, yeah, we were, we, we went into Penguin Studios in Syracuse to record a Misfits song for like a Misfits tribute album. Oh yeah. I remember that. Yeah. And we, um, We talked about it with him, and he was like, "Guys, like, let me do the record." You know, he really gave us like the hard sell. He's like, "Come on, you know, I've been chugging away locally forever. Like, you guys will just have unlimited time." He's like, "You know, here's here's your budget. Here's what's your budget." And the funny thing is, like, we didn't have a budget. Like, like back then, it was just we would just tell Tony, "This is what we'd like to do," and he would say yes or no. Sure. Yeah. It's not like hey, hey, Here's
5: here's like fifteen grand. Go figure it out. It was like, hey, this is what we want to do. Okay. (laughs)
6: yeah right so i think he came up with this uh steve at the studio came up with this number he was like look for i don't remember how much it was like twelve thousand dollars maybe he's like you guys can just record here until we decide it's finished he's like it can just be unlimited time and we're like i love yeah we were like wow you know we're like that sounds pretty cool and he was like he was like yeah and i'll build the studio for like 16 grand and you guys can just have four or something. And like to us, that was
7: just like, what?
6: Like, that's unbelievable. You know, like we were just blown away that we could put, you know, 800 bucks a piece in our pockets. Or <laughs> totally. You know? Totally. That's amazing. Yeah. And, yeah. and so we were like, okay, yeah, done, man. And, and Tony agreed. And so we, uh, yeah, I think we recorded for like a long time. I mean, it was, it was like six weeks, but it was laid back. It was, it wasn't like, um, you know, it was local. So, I mean, we were going home every night, which was awesome. Um, He, he had the, the dude had like a, a boat on a lake, like Steve Feldman. He had it. So some days we'd be sitting in there and everybody would be kind of fried. And he'd be like, let's go out on the boat. And, you know, we would just like go ride the boat around for a little while and come back. And it was just really chill. We just had, we just had the studio. It was like, you know what it was like? It was like when you see the, the old movies of how, you know, Led Zeppelin recorded or bands like that, it was just like, you had a studio and you worked when you were inspired. And when you weren't, you didn't you know? And it was like, if something cool came out, awesome. Let's record that. Let's work on that. You know? And if it, if it wasn't happening that day, no big deal. You know, let's just go do something else. Right. You know, where it's like, you know, not a lot of people ever. And I, and I don't think ever again, did we ever, we ever have that luxury of just, you know, having that creative freedom and time and not feeling pressured. And so we did a lot of cool stuff on that record. And because of that, like we were, you know, after we recorded it, we were like, well, let's see if we can bang on some pots and pans or something and make some cool sounds, you know, (laughs) or like just create weird sounds and like, let's add these weird backup vocals or let's add this thing underneath, you know? And so we did a lot of like really creative stuff on that record. And by far for me, like that record was, is my favorite, like that, that we ever did just because the memories of it were so great. And I think it was like our creative height. Like we were that was like, I don't think I could ever write a record like that again,
5: sure, sure, yeah, you had you had the mo like it was just this perfect confluence of events from you know time and place and structure, and you know, yeah, it's like that I understand what you're talking about, where it's like all the stuff feels like it
6: comes together, and you're like, oh yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, and your motivations you know your your you know your mindset and your motivation, I mean there was nothing like um you know, for lack of a better term, impure about it, you know, it was just like. We didn't care, like we weren't trying to appease anybody. We weren't trying to get rich. We weren't trying, you know. It was just like let's just go do something super creative and awesome and something that we're all really proud of, you know. And that was it, like yeah. you know. And then that record got bigger, and then from there on out, you know, then things start to get weird. <laughs> you, know, I, like dude, within,
5: you could not, yeah. you could not have teed me up better because that's why I was like, yeah. this is, this is the moment in which you know, you guys were, were vaulted to, you know, whatever you can call it a, a quote unquote mainstream level. Of course, mainstream means, you know, different things to different people, but, you know, ostensibly yeah. this is when the weird offers started to come to you guys from, you yeah. know, whatever, you know, doing OzFest and like, you know, even though that came technically before this, but, um, you know, like doing music videos and like all this sort of stuff, like You know, I I guess for you, I mean, I'm sure that there's not one particular moment in which you felt like, wow, this is really weird that this is happening for us. Um, But, you know, maybe there is like, you know, one or two anecdotal moments in your head where it was just like, what the hell? Like after this record comes out, like, you know, whatever, removing signing to Roadrunner, like, you know, what random things stick out in your head of being like, this is bizarre that we are even being asked to do this or whatever.
6: Yeah, well, it was actually yeah. I mean, the big one was Ozfest because yeah, Ozfest. I'm not sure exactly the timeline, but mm-hmm. it was definitely like right before Gomorrah came out or after. Like it was very early on in the in the like you know the Gomorrah season ends era of the band, and um, yeah, it, but that was the thing we were so we were getting the the craziest stuff at that time was just mainly the Aussie connection because we started we got asked to do Ozfest and we did it. And then from there, it was like this year long, uh, like conversations with Sharon Osbourne and she was calling my house and, um, you know, they were starting a new record label and they wanted three bands as their first like flagship bands. And it was to be, us neurosis and what became queens of the stone age i don't think they were called queens of the stone age at the time okay but they were they were just starting that i think and um or maybe they had done something i don't know but i think yeah i think those were the three bands if i'm not mistaken i definitely know us and neurosis i'm pretty sure queens of the stone age was the third Mm -hmm. and so yeah she was just like showing up places and this was before like anyone knew what this woman looked like, you know, she wasn't Sharon Osbourne from the Osborne. The reality you know, show. Would, yep. Yeah. She was Ozzy's wife that you heard about, but you never saw her, you know? So she's like, yeah, they were like, she would come and, uh, took us out to dinner in New York. And I mean, I'm living in like a, a you know, in an upstairs apartment at my grandma's house and I'm getting messages from this person on my phone, on my answer <laughs> machine.
7: You know? yeah. And I'm like,
6: what the hell, you know? Right. And we were getting offers from like Earache Records was making us very, very generous offers at the time that we were like, yeah, it, 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 just things were happening, and we were starting to be like, okay, well, we're at heart, like who we are, just from birth, are musicians. Like this is what we are, and like this seems like we're getting the opportunity to be that, like forever, you know. Like this sure. is, you know, so yeah, and it start that stuff starts you know, man, I mean, everybody's seen the behind the musics, you know, it's like that stuff starts messing with your head, you know, and like changing motivations. And, um, that's why everybody likes, you know, bands first couple records, because that was like the pure times. Like that was before you had outside influence directing the way that you thought, even if you think you're, you're not, there's always something that's like pushing you a little bit here or pushing you a little bit there. you know, there's very few artists that can, that I think can survive like any level of progress and success and then still maintain that original spark you know
7: mm-hmm.
6: and, I, and yeah that was that was definitely starting to happen like we you know money was getting thrown around and because you know we were truthfully probably getting to the point where we were if that didn't happen we probably would have slowly fizzled out you know we probably had another record or so in us but sure if if uh you know i i just don't think we could have continued to like you know come home and
7: not yeah, real and,
6: right, right. yeah, real life. Right, right. Real life
5: yeah. starts to descend upon you and it's just like yeah.
6: well, yeah. the worlds are colliding. You know, the dream the dream and the and the reality are colliding at that point. Right. You know, <laughs> but yeah, but it was very exciting at the same time. It was like, man, like so so wait a minute. Like we have all these avenues. Like there's we could go that way, we could go that way, we could go that way. Right. You know, and at the same time we were going to Tony and we were trying to um Hey, look, man, you know, like these people are talking to us. These people are talking to us like we need we need more money because we didn't we had no idea business wise. Like up until I think that time, that's when all of a sudden it was like, OK, I, t- I think I need to learn about like what's happening because we didn't know how many records we sold we sure. didn't know you weren't asking any questions. Yeah, yeah. Never, never. I had no idea. I was just like, it's all I know is we played Connecticut last night and there were 600 people there, totally. you know? But I mean, even that was naive as hell because we would get handed like $350 and the dude would fill our tank up with gas and buy a Snapple. And we were like,
7: You're like Oh done. shit,
6: this dude hooked us up. You're like, yeah. And we were like, you know, looking back on it now, I'm like, man, mm, we'd walk out of there with five grand from, you know, right. so like, that, like right, you know, but like, yeah. I mean, maybe not back then, because I mean, what was the door like? Six bucks, probably, but still. Yeah, but still, you right. know, yeah, but yeah. So it was just like, and that's the funny thing too. When you know, going down, going down a tangent, but you know, when people back then, it was very big to complain about any band making any money if you charge too much for your t-shirts, blah blah blah. You know, not it's not so much of that these days, at least in our scene. I think it exists still in certain. Scenes, but in ours, people don't complain about that stuff too much anymore. But, but the thing is, it's always so funny. It's like, well, wait a minute. So, if Earth Crisis got paid at a thousand bucks at a for drawing six hundred people in Connecticut, so the promoter made a shit ton of money, and that's mm-hmm. fine. That local hardcore kid is totally fine. He doesn't get shit at all. Right. But if we walked out of there with fifteen hundred dollars, they would have been dicks, rock stars, blah blah blah. <laughs> you know, totally. Like the money's be, the money's there. Like, who should it go to? The yep. dude that promoted the show or the band that's like eating shit and, you know, you know, live sleeping on floors, you know, but
7: y- yeah, yeah, whatever.
6: That's no, a conversation I- for a different interview. <laughs> <laughs>
5: no, no, totally. No, but yeah, your, your yeah. point, I, I mean, you mentioning that it, it just puts, you know, everything kind of in context where it's just like, these are all, these are all the things that are hitting around in your head as yeah, this stuff totally. is all coming at you. And so, yeah, yes. I, to- I, yeah. yeah totally understand. yeah it's
6: all it, it is relevant because yeah at that time that's what was happening and we were like okay so we're making you know whatever five hundred dollars a night and we're going to victory and we're telling him the, the shows are packed I mean in hindsight looking back on him now in hindsight I'm like I can't believe that we were I mean a bad night for us and we would be literally bummed about it like if we had like 250 people in like some, you know, C market town. We were like, God, man, fuck. I think, we're sli- yeah. I think we're slipping, you know, wow. we start like, you know, we start like getting depressed and stuff. But I mean, you know, at the time, like we were playing the truck in Philly and selling it out. We were playing like, it was, it was, and we, I, we appreciated it, but not, you know, we would be, we would be like, Oh, cool. Anyway, where are we going to eat? You know, that kind of thing. We weren't like, we weren't reveling in it. We weren't sitting down and being like, dude, Eight hundred people just came to see us in Philly, you know. Right. Like there wasn't that. It was like, Oh, that's great. And then we would move on. <laughs> you know, but totally. Yeah. So we would go to <laughs> we were going to Tony and and just being like, Hey man, like things are getting to a point where we feel like we must be doing something to warrant these kind of offers and we'd like it if you could maybe we'd like to stay with you. You helped us get to where we are, no doubt, you know. Right. And we'd we'd like if you could come up. And he was just very no. No, I'm not going to do it. Like he didn't budge a little, like yeah. not, not even, you know, he's Tony. Everybody by this point knows you know, stories of him, but mm-hmm. well, he was just like, yeah, we were like, dude, you know, if we could anything like, you know, let's, 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 we want to work with you. And he was like, no.
5: Yeah. Let's negotiate. Not, not interested. Yeah
6: yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There was no, there was, I don't remember. Yeah. Even a little bit of back and forth. And then, so we got a lawyer which is another, okay, now you're fucking really screwed. (laughs) You know, like once you start going down these roads, yeah.
8: This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We're sitting here. It's like June and you're like, where has the time gone? And everybody's like, oh my gosh, I have no idea. I got to like accomplish all these other things. Take a moment, focus on the things that obviously for one matter to you, but for two, look back, be like, what have I done? Well, what have I done? Not so well. And maybe I can, you know, ask some friends and family for some help. But where I have always gone to in regards to figuring out what I can do better, therapy. Therapy is an incredible tool at your arsenal that you can dip into. I've done it for my marriage. I've done it for myself personally. And I'm a huge advocate for what therapy can do for you because it is a third party that's able to look at what you can do to improve your life. And be a person to help you along in your journey. And so I think if you were thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and entirely suited to your schedule. All you do is fill out a brief questionnaire. You get matched with licensed therapist. And then boom, you're done. It's great. And then if you're not vibing with the therapist, you can switch it at no additional cost. So take a moment, reflect on the things you've done, reflect on the things you want to do, and visit BetterHelp.com slash Ray today to get 10% off of your first month. That's BetterHelp, hel slash Ray.
0: Baseball fans, BetMGM is giving you the chance to win a prize every day during the baseball season.
1: it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
6: And then it was like, okay, and then somebody, and then the lawyer's like, well, you know, guys, like what you really need is uh, like a manager, you know? And, we're, you know, so it's like all these things start happening and then you're like, Okay. And then you're 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 so far off base from where you started and that's that's when things start going ugly for most bands, you know? Sure. And um and we were like, okay, so we'll get a manager and we worked with uh we started working with Scott Koenig, who was like rush management, which like, you know, Def Jam and all that kind of stuff. And at the time they had like Biohazard when Biohazard was at their peak and mm-hmm. you know, Fear Factory and bands like that. Yeah. And that's when things started uh, to right. I when feel like things going are a little crazy.
5: Let me talk to you about, frankly, one of my favorite sponsors of all time, Sonos. They meticulously design every speaker from the inside out. And let me tell you, getting started is the easiest thing ever. So just plug in your speaker, open up the app, and connect all of your favorite streaming services. You can start with one speaker and then connect more over Wi-Fi whenever you're ready. Every Sonos speaker and component work together seamlessly so you can customize whatever room you are putting them in. You can connect your TV or your turntable and listen to everything you love. I love Sonos so dang much. My son has one in his room. We have one in our living room. We have a beautiful sound bar for our TV. There are so many ways that you can integrate Sonos into your life and, frankly, change the way that you listen to music. I have never listened to more music than when I listen to it through Sonos because it's just, that's the best way to do it. And they also have an amazing thing called TruePlay, which is basically you plug in your speaker, you get it all set up, and then you use your phone, microphone, to walk around the room and calibrate that speaker to the exact specifications of that room. It's unbelievable. So go to Sonos.com and learn more about all of their amazing speakers. I love them so much. And thank you, Sonos, for changing my music listening experience and my son's. Yeah. <laughs> thank you, Sonos. I mean, obviously oh, yeah. that leads you to, you know, signing the Roadrunner and, you know, putting out Breathe the Killers and stuff. Um, yeah. You know, the, I, I definitely remember the uh, – the you know ripple effect it felt like when you know you guys had left victory and and moved to roadrunner because you know ostensibly at that point you know roadrunner was by all definitions you know a major label like the most major label that any like heavy band could really be on with the exception of like you know whatever hatebreed to universal and that sort of stuff but yeah. um you know the it, like, as you guys, I guess, kind of made that move, did you um, Did you feel like it was a big deal? Was it one of those things where it was just kind of the next logical step that you guys could take based on all the craziness that you were, uh, you know, <laughs> that you were getting involved with? Uh, or was it just kind of like, okay, yeah, this is cool. Like, it I, I feels like a good partner.
6: Yeah, we were excited because, like, we were huge fans of, like, every band that was on Roadrunner up until that point, <laughs> you know? Like, I mean, and they had bands that were, In our, in our world, you know, like Madball had been on Roadrunner and, um, you know, just bands, bands that we liked, you know, were like, you know, like Glassjaw and stuff like that. Like the the Roadrunner, well, and Shelter, I mean, at the time, like Ray had his little imprint for a little while on there. And so it wasn't like super far off course, but, but it was that, it was that step in like that professional direction that we, that we wanted to take at the time, you know, that it was just like, okay, yeah, this is the next logical step, you know, like we're we're working with a guy that right now we're, you know, looking back on it, I mean, like it it was just so bizarre because like I said, we didn't know, we didn't know like anything. So we would go to New York city. I remember playing a show in New York and a guy from Caroline distribution came up and was like, man, your firestorm album. is just like, we can't keep it, man. We can't keep it in stock. It's just flying. And we were like, Oh, that's awesome. Like good news. You know? And he's like, yeah, I mean, uh, what did he? I I can't remember the number he threw out, but he was just like at the time he was just like, yeah. I mean, I think we've moved like ten thousand or something, you yeah. know. And it had been out it had been out for like, not even a year or six months or something. And we were like, what? You <laughs> know, we we're like, that is that a lot? You know, because we didn't know like, is that a lot? Is that? A, I mean, it sounds like a lot, but totally. comparatively. And he was like, oh yeah. And he started telling us like, you know, like this band, you know, they haven't even moved ten thousand in two years or so. You know, and it was a band, I you know, somebody that we knew and. And we were like, "Oh my God, okay," but but again, we just kind of like chucked that information off to the side and just kept moving. Like we we didn't like call Victory and be like, "Hey, like how many did we sell?" And like you know, and and I'm not, I don't think that that we've been cheated by Victory at all. Like a lot of people, you know, like he didn't pay. I mean, I'm sure that if we started digging up things, like yeah, there's probably this or that. For the most part, though, I think he's been pretty up and up with us. I mean, we get royalty checks, we get statements, they seem legit, you know, sure. every quarter, you know, but, but yeah, it was just like, there was definitely like, at that time, I wouldn't be surprised if at that time, a lot of that stuff went straight in his pocket, and didn't, you know what I mean, and didn't get counted, because he knew, it was like, it's that same old story, it's like managers and labels, I mean, they thrive on naive young bands, that don't know how much money they deserve, you know, totally. and I think it was, and I think it was the same uh, I think it was the same story for him back then, but sure. yeah, so we wanted to you know we were excited to like, okay, we're gonna get up to this level where this professional record label who has a good track record and they pay people and they give out advances for records and you know uh, we can spend this much on this one and we can spend that much, whereas with victory, it was like, hey, sir, are we allowed to spend eight thousand dollars on this record and he would say no or yes and he yelled at us over Firestorm. I remember because we had a nine. We had a nine hundred dollar budget, and I think we spent eleven. Whoa. And he was like, so crazy pissed. He was yeah, so, like he was so pissed. I remember I remember and I because I remember being like, "Is that bad? Like, did we? Are we really screwed? Like, can we come up with the two hundred dollars? Like, we were we were really like concerned about it. Sure. You know, and obviously, he made that money. You know, tenfold. Yeah. <laughs> tenfold over within a month. You know, but right. Like, yeah. You but know, uh, yeah, so but just, at that it,
5: uh, yeah, at that time you were just you, know, you like you truly felt like children asking parents for permission to do oh, something. Oh, totally.
6: Yeah. Everything was everything was like asking for permission, you know. We never we never got any sort of like, you know, any merch that we had like they made for us we made like pennies on it, you know. It, it was like I just remember coming back from tours and, and being like, "Well, we got, you know, $3,000 here. Um we only earned 500 of it." You know, (laughs) yeah, totally. You know, we always had to pay them, you know, their cut of it and whatnot. And yeah, yeah, it was, you know, it was just, it it was was basically just like, yeah, fend for yourself. And, And to us, we were like, hey, man, like, we're acknowledging that you have helped make us, but you need to also acknowledge that we helped make you. And there wasn't that. The, the reciprocation was
7: yeah, there. yeah you
6: know, the, he, right it wasn't yeah. a, it
5: wasn't a relationship like that perspective the the give no, and take and yeah there I
6: wasn't know. a yeah it was it was like a stone faced like no i did this myself you guys can piss off right. kind of thing right. you know yeah, yeah 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 so we were like okay we're going to piss off and so we so well that was and so the live record that we did for him that was that was a contractual obligation we were like sure. we'll give you a live record and and we're going to move on. And, and then, he was yeah. like, "That's cool, yeah." So we went to Roadrunner, and that was bad, I'd say overall. <laughs>
5: sure. Well, I think that <laughs> I mean the, the biggest thread that I want to pull on because I know that's been um, you know it, it's kind of been dissected in a bunch of different directions. But like you know clearly the the biggest uh, deficit that they had was the uh, understanding, in in my opinion, uh, of like how to how to market you guys because like clearly you walking into Roadrunner people knew what they were getting. Like, you know, you guys were clear as far maybe not even sonically, but just like, you know, the, the aesthetic, the uh, mission statement of the band, like it's all pretty clear at this point. And so I'm, you know, operating from that level of knowledge, but then to not understand where to, I guess, kind of take you guys. Like, did you feel like that was kind of the deficit or was it, you know, just kind of like, you know, a litany of reasons that you felt like it wasn't successful?
6: I think it really was like one major thing and it was like, um, and I don't, you know, looking back on it, I'm not sure, you know, this is where manager, you know, big quote fingers, managers come into play and everything. I don't know what was not being conveyed like clearly through the channels, you know, because we had a manager at that time, which we never had before. We were just used to dealing directly with everybody. And so, um, I just remember like we went in there w- with a definite like guard up. Like, okay, w- we know what we're doing. You guys are you guys are like the metal idiots that are going to try to make us look stupid. So, we're going to have we're going to bring in our own art guy. We're not going to use your in-house dudes, which they were offended by like big time. Like when they when there was a big problem. I remember like, when we were doing the layout and we had like friends doing it, who oddly enough they hired later, right? So, <laughs> They, and, and same with like t-shirts, like our friend Guav, like would do our t-shirt designs and they were like, complain about them left and right. But then he ended up working for them for like 10 years or something. But anyway, they, uh, they, yeah, there was just this, everything that we were pushing a little bit on them. Like, no, no, we we're not, gonna no, we're not going to do that. No, we're not going to do that. Like everything that they suggested, we were pushing back a lot. And, um, but I think the main issue was like, they expected us they wanted us to do something sonically that like we weren't really ready to do. Like they wanted to change, like not, not a hundred percent, but they were like, you know, we got to work on these vocals. Like we want to get the vocals more audible. We want to get the vote, you know, like, like big label stuff. Like they wanted to come to the studio. They wanted to hear dailies, that kind of thing. And we were like, uh, you know, like this, this feels weird. And like, you know, the engineer Andy Sneap at the time was like, very much on our side. And he was like, do you want me to lock these dudes out? I mean, I was lock them out of the studio. And right. I was like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 And we were like, yeah, we totally do lock, lock them out. We just, we want to create our own record. And we were going through like a lot of personal things at that time. Like we had, uh, Ian, Eric and I had all gotten some legal trouble mm-hmm. and it was like serious legal trouble. Sure,
5: <laughs> And like, we were like, law- it, like lawyers could have got put away in jail
6: sort of scenario. Like we could have went to jail. Yeah, okay. for sure. sure. And, uh, and so we, um, there was a lot of that like so we, i don't know i think our heads just weren't really 100 percent in that record uh, you know like we were we were doing it but at the same time we were just like there was all this stuff happening man it was just like these guys were coming to the, the studio and pressuring us to do this but we had this personal issue like our guitar player at the time was we were we were you know, one tiny step away from just pushing him off a ledge and kicking him out of the band, which ended up happening right when we finished recording it. Um, Yeah. It was just like a lot of weird stuff was happening. And, but I think overall, yeah, it, it boiled down to just like that. We weren't really willing to play ball with them. Like they, sh- I think they, sh- they pretty much shelved the record before it even came out. Like they, they heard it. Cause I mean, they got, they got the you know, final product. And they were like, yeah, the vocals, man. Like we just, we got to get these, a little more audible like we want to be able to hear every word and we're like well you know that's just not really what we do i mean you guys put out fucking deicide and stuff you know like what's the problem (laughs) but i mean but what we didn't know was like two months later they were nickelback yeah, you know like roadrunner so i mean they were very much like trying to go away from the extreme metal thing so when we signed up, we were like, "Well, shit, obituary, DSI, you know, like we got, yeah, we we got this. We're in, we're in this, we were in this world. Like they're not going to be harsh with us." So then when they were pulling this like major label, like, "Yeah, man, you know, can you put a little melody in the scream and stuff like that?" We were like, "What? You know, like, do you tell obituary that? Like, I don't understand. Like, right. why are why are we getting this treatment?" And then sure enough, like, it was. I mean, it was months after I think "Breathe" the Killers came out that they. I think they were bought by Sony and then it was like their big band was Nickelback and and you know, I, and well, Slipknot, you know, but they were, they're an extreme band, but like, yeah, I I remember we, we were on tour and the bass player, the deceased bass player for Slipknot. Now he came to see us and he was like, man, we're label mates. And I'm like, Oh cool. And he was explaining to us his band. He was like, oh, well, we dress up in these outfits, and we like, wrestle on stage, and, we're, and you know one guy wears a clown mask. And to hear it, you're like, that's the most ridiculous shit I ever heard. Like, right. the, yeah. And then and I, Ian and I laughed about it forever. We were like, dude, that band just sounds like it's the silliest thing ever. And then I remember they sent me, uh, our A&R guy sent me the record, and I played it, and I was like, oh, dude, this is going to be gigantic. Like mm-hmm. this is, like, <laughs> right. you know, whether or not you like it or not, you know, like you just know, like when you hear something like this is going to be gigantic, you know, Yeah. but they were, they were certainly going more toward a mainstream push. You know, they saw the writing on the wall, like Ozfest was getting big and all these things, you know, the like corn had started getting big and all that kind of stuff. So they were, they definitely were like, okay, guys, there's potential for you to be on the radio. Let's make that happen.
5: Right. You and, know, you, and you didn't fit, you, you frankly didn't fit the mold of where the future of the label was going.
6: Yeah. Yeah. And I, well, we, we just, they, they, I think they thought like they, you know, our A&R guy, looking back on it, he said it, he, he did bring it up to us. Like he was like, well, you know, they, you know, what would be nice is if we had a little bit of push in that direction for this record and then the next record, even a little bit more, you know, he was basically like, they had a, like a, a plan but we just we just so shut it down,
7: mm-hmm. and
6: and not not I don't regret, but like we we just were so like no we're not even coming to the studio we're not playing you anything like this is ridiculous fuck off you know
7: right right and right.
6: so the, yeah they were like yeah dudes aren't playing ball let's just let's just scrap it but I mean all the bands got dropped like you know Madball got dropped Glassjaw got dropped we got dropped VOD got dropped like all the all that stuff was immediately scrapped at the same time. Yep. You know, from, to make room for the nickel backs and all that stuff. You totally, know? totally, yeah. And all it, so we we basically, I think we signed at a a bad time. Yeah. Like I think if it was like three years prior, when they still were the label that pushed obituary and bands like that, we would have been fine. Mm-hmm. But
7: yeah,
5: a couple right, a couple yeah. years earlier, it could have been like you know, yeah, if you, if Gamora season ends came out on Roadrunner. Um, you know, of course there's the, the revolving doors moment or sliding doors moment where you're like, yeah, you can't, you can't even think about that. But like, yeah, that yeah. timing could have been more ripe for you guys to be able to carve out the lane at the label to be like, oh yes, like what they do can do well. But you know, at that time they were just looking, I'm like, well, yeah, this is not, you know you're not fit in the mold or whatever.
6: <laughs> yeah. Well, we learned, yeah, and we learned a lot too, because, you know, like for the, for as much, for as much as we didn't like victory for certain reasons, you know, we realized like, he never ever tried to put input on creativity ever he never tried to like take creative control over anything he never pushed a direction he never you know scoffed at artwork he never it was it was all freedom on our part to do what we wanted to do you know and and that went a little bit unappreciated you know cuz we didn't know anything else you know and so then when we went somewhere else and these people were trying to like yeah, Everything, you know, and, and yeah, and stupid shit was happening. Like, um, they, their, their merch company, you know, we had, we had to sign a certain amount of designs or whatever over to blue grape was the merch company at the time. And they made like wool hats, you know, and we called them and we we're like, Hey man, you know, we, we don't <laughs> make it. wool. Yeah. Yeah, like you got to get rid of those. And they're like, well, okay, we won't make them again. And, and I don't, they're probably still sitting in the goddamn warehouse anywhere because I don't know who buys a wool Earth Crisis hat. Right. And then, then they also made like lighters and shit, you know, and it was like, fucking lighters, you know, yeah, like guys, it's just, right. <laughs> yeah. The, you know, you got to realize like that we're not that kind of band. Like nobody's buying lighters, you know.
5: Oh, but, man. That, those yeah. are. Yeah. Those are two just absolutely epic <laughs> examples of just yeah like completely missing the mark of yeah just, you just
6: yeah. yeah you don't even know who you're working with right no. like you just, they're just another name and let's put let's slap this fucking logo on whatever we can and sell it you totally. know and and it, yeah that that kind of thinking it, it did make us appreciate victory you know we were like oh man you yeah. know. Grass is yeah. always greener on the other side. And then you get over yeah. there
5: and you're like, oh, but it was pretty cool back then, too. But, and you, you would never, ever, ever know unless you actually had the experience. Like you can hear right, it unless you tried it. Totally. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and which leads us, obviously, to Slither, which is like, you know, clearly your most divisive record. And so many people, yeah. um, you know, I'm sure at the time as well, looked at it just like, what the hell is happening? Like, I can't even yeah. believe this. Um, you know, it, the. Like, as you guys were, you know, going back to victory and, and, you know, doing this record that clearly, like, you know, was a line in the sand where it was like, okay, like, there is still Earth Crisis in this record because, I mean, you know, whatever. I I listened to it, you know, last week and there are, like, I remember listening to it when it came out and I wasn't, I wasn't bummed at it, but I definitely was like, Mm -hmm. huh, this is a twist. Like, I didn't, (laughs) I didn't know that this was going to go this direction. And also, it was, you know, just in this is a, a nerd thing, but like, this is your longest LP too. Like, you know, like close to 45 minutes from what I tracked it as. Um, but anyways, heading into it, was it one of those things where you, you, I mean, clearly you guys definitively were like, okay, this, this is the time where we obviously need to stretch our wings even further than we have. Um, and we need to kind of make a, not make a, a a play for being a band that we're not, because clearly you guys were still doing everything that you were doing philosophically. Um, yeah, but yeah, you just needed to be, I guess, different sonically.
6: Yeah, I think that I think that exactly what you said was the reaction that we wanted. You know, we want we wanted every like we got to a point where we felt like, and I feel I actually personally feel like right now still like you you get to a point where you're like, okay, I mean, how many records of this kind of music can you do? You know what I mean? Like how many? Sure how many, how many metallic hardcore records, how many riffs are there like that are unique, that are still inspiring, that you're still, you know, bring emotion about in you, like when you play it before it gets stale, you know? And I think we were sitting around like talking about that and we were talking about the direction that Roadrunner wants us to go. And we're like, what, like, what if we did that? Like, what if, What if we actually just full fledged just like dove into that and wrote a record like that? Tried to challenge ourselves to write something like outside our comfort zone, you know, and and just do that because, like worst case scenario, everyone's gonna all of a sudden pop their heads up and be like, "What in the hell you hear about?" Like if, if if anything, it'll just rejuvenate a little buzz.
0: Subject to eligibility requirements, rewards vary depending on market and expire 24 hours from issuance. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park.
2: savings products insured by NCUA investment products are not insured not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value it was about the band
6: was the thinking i think like it'll just all of a sudden be like dude did you guys hear what earth crisis did and to us like we had we had grown up hearing so many bands did that you know there were so many bands like you know you can you can count through all the classic new york hardcore bands where at some point you know or not even not even maybe their bands but the bands they did after you know, they, where they did like some sort of quote unquote sellout album, you know? Sure. And so we were like, you know what? Screw it, man. Like we've done so many LPs and EPs and tours and we've been around for so long. Like it's time to shake it up a little bit. Let's just do something that's going to like maybe make some people pissed, you know, but we just don't care. Let's just do it.
3: In a world where everyone is confined to their homes, society begins its largest bin watch to date.
4: Join us for Fake Doctors, Real Friends on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts.
6: Right. You know, so so that, that was really the thinking behind it. It was just like, okay, let's, let's just challenge ourselves to do something different. You know, and like, what do you have to lose? We're either going to break up right now or try this. Like, let's just do it, you right.
7: know?
5: So, it, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it, it and like with perspective and time, it, it clearly makes sense. Where it's like, yes, like you are, you literally can just repeat the same formula over and over and over and over. But, um, you know, like with eventually, it's either diminishing returns, especially if you are of the mindset where you are trying to make the band your central focus and thing. You know, you're trying to make a living yeah. off of it. Um, yeah, yeah, but yeah, but you you need to be able to have the space to take a big enough swing to be like, well, this is either going to knock us into that next ballpark or we're just going to you know play in the minor leagues and that's fine. I mean, pardon the metaphor, because yeah. I don't know. No, yeah, no, no. I, don't know I think about baseball, but uh,
6: no, <laughs> yeah. no, it's true though. It's it's totally true, and that's exactly the way that we that we thought about it. You know, it was just it wasn't so much like, oh, dude, that we're going to get rich. You know, there was none of that. Like, like we're going to get so rich off this record. It was seriously just like, let's just shake it up. Let's like shake it up all the way around. Let's do the exact opposite of what like all the kids that like our band want us to do, you know? And it was, and there was a, there was a negative aspect to it too, because again, it is earth crisis and that's what we thrive on. But (laughs) (laughs) there was, yeah, there was, you know, we were, we were frustrated with hardcore too. I mean, like, you know, the hardcore scene is fickle and moves quickly and is critical, you know, and it, it, it's, it, I mean, I think when you're a kid and you're in it and you're not in a band or something, it's just a fun time with your friends and you're, you know, but yeah, to be in a band and I think to be in a band that got popular in hardcore, you know, um, yeah, it's tough, you know, because it's like, you're cool for, it, it's all about little niches it's not it's not so much about music it's just about like what are the cool kids in that town like right now mm-hmm. They'll make anything popular you know if if every if every kid like hardcore kid if the cool kid in that scene decides they like band a right now everyone in that town likes band a you know and you know that was part of the thing with earth crisis i mean obviously we had something that struck a chord with everybody sure. but it struck a chord with just enough kids in every town that it spread, you know, but then when that, when those kids moved on and when those kids decided they didn't like what's crisis anymore or whatever, yeah. Then everybody goes with them onto the next thing. And it was, it was frustrating for, for us to see. And we knew it was happening because we had seen it happen to other bands. I mean, we saw, we went out with shelter and we saw us doing that to them. You know, we saw, right. we, you know, like when we were young kids, like we were we would go see Shelter like in like play Syracuse and they would pack the place out and they were the kings you know yep and and then we went on tour with Shelter and we were like mm, wait a second like and we're having hold way, on yeah we're having way better shows than Shelter and half the clubs leaving and you know and we weren't stupid though and we knew someday that's going to happen to us like someday and it did you know, like I mentioned before, like converge and stuff. We saw, I mean, we, we realized that we played shows with converge. I remember. And we were like, well, yeah, it's our time. It's happening. You know, these guys are the new, the new dudes coming up and they're crushing us every night, you know? Yeah. And so we just got to the point. Yeah. Where slither was like, all right, let's just give everybody the middle finger and just do this record and just see what happens. And who cares? Consequences so, or not.
7: Yeah.
5: Yeah. Let's yeah. Lean, 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 into this. But I, I mean, I think it's like, to me, the, you know, divisiveness is obviously solely on the music. It's not like you guys changed your message or you guys changed as people. And it's like, you know, and I think that's why, you know, of course, you can play the revisionist history and people, you know, like whatever, if you took a poll of a hundred people, you know, back in 2000, 2001, if they like Slither, you know, majority of them would be like, oh, it's a trash record. But then, you know, now
6: there's a lot of people who are like, Hey, you know what? sludge's not too bad. Like, you know, like, yeah. And but. yeah, you definitely get those. You get, There's definitely those. Uh, I mean, I call them like the double down kids, you know, like they want <laughs> to they want to be like the ones that are just like, no, man, it's the best record they ever put out just because everybody else says it's not <laughs> like I'm in the band and I can I can be honest about it. You know, it's like it's like I, the thing I always use to describe it is I say, I think it's a great record. It just isn't a great Earth Crisis record.
1: You know, oh, it's a different
6: yeah, yeah. It, it's a different band. You know, it, it's. It's there, like you said, there's certainly elements in there, you know, but, it, but it would, it more sounds like a couple guys from earth crisis started a different band, you know, totally. And it, but, but that was the idea. It wasn't like, we didn't know that that was happening. I mean, we were very, obviously very aware when we were writing this, like, mm-hmm. okay, Carl's going to be busting out some singing here. Like, yep. and that took a lot of work, like a lot of work to get him to like, feel confident enough to do that and i remember arguing a lot with him about it because we would we would sound check the songs and we would practice them and obviously he felt good about doing it in in front of us and then we would sound check them and he wouldn't do it he would like scream through the singing parts like a sound check and we're like dude what are you doing you know and and he would be like oh, what do you mean he would try to like trick us like i, I did i sang it we're like yeah and we're like yeah and so we were pushing him out of his comfort zone too a lot like he you know that's not him like he doesn't want to do that and yeah i mean now the, the the thing about carl now is he has like he has now down like what we wanted him to have then like down pat like as far as vocally like he could we we didn't necessarily want it so clean we just wanted some melody in his scream but he we couldn't really do it the way that we wanted so we just we just were like all right just do the clean thing but now he can really like keep the scream voice, but add pitch to it, which is like it's great. If, if only yeah. we could go back and do it now, you know.
7: <laughs> no.
5: To, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, you're like, hey man, you're a different headspace. We can re-record Slither, and we'll, we'll probably knock it out of the park this way. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this now, your- yeah. These,
6: yeah, this, day, yeah, these days we might get, yeah,
2: maybe we'll get rich. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah.
6: Yeah. But uh, I mean, the funny thing about that record is, so you know, it's, it was kind of working like, so, I mean, hardcore kids were pissed. There was a handful sure. that were just like diehard earth crisis fans that were like, no, I love it. I don't care. I love it anyway, even though I don't think they did, but they, they tricked themselves or made themselves like it. And that's cool. But it was like, you know, as far as victory, cause we went, well, we went back to victory. We kind of skipped that point, but, yep. um, so we, uh, they were, I mean, they were like, dude, this thing is getting picked up in daily rotation on like, just like daytime radio, you know? And it was like, you know, they were just constant updates. Like, it's like, you know, more stations, this station added it, this station added it, this station added it. And we we're like, oh my God, like, wow. Like, so what's that mean? And they're like, well, we want you to do these like, you know, these like summer radio festivals, you know? And we we're like, mm, nah. And they were like, what do you mean? No. What do you mean? They were like, I remember them calling us over and over again and be like, what do you mean? What do you mean? And we we're like, no, we're not going to do it. And they were just like, why? And it was honestly just because we were burnt out, you know? And they were like, they were because like, they wanted us to like drive to like Alabama to play this like radio fest, which was huge. It was, you know, it would have been like 20,000 people, you know, mainstream, like K-Rock local K rock station radio fest, you know? Sure. And, but they were like, you got to drive down to Alabama. We're like, no fly. If you want us to do it, fly us down to Alabama. We'll play it. And and they were like, no, that's not happening. We're like, well then we're not doing it. Right. You know, like we had, we had, we had already been up, uh, up the mountain. Like by this point we knew, no, we've seen, you can pay for people to go do that stuff. Totally. Like this isn't, this isn't earth crisis, Gamora season ends era. We realize now that,
7: Right. Yeah. We
5: got, flo- we way. got flown out to California takeover. All right, buddy, we know the deal. Yeah we,
6: yeah. yeah, we learned. Yeah, we learned now. And so, but they were just like firm, like, no, but, uh, but I remember it was like this weird backlash cause we would tour off of it, you know, and we would play like, I remember Salt Lake city in particular because, uh, we were, that was one of the biggest markets where we were getting played like a lot. And so we would go and there was this like 50, 50 crowd. There was like, it was a good size show probably 350 400 people there sure but it was like um we played outside i remember somewhere some venue but like outside and uh there was like 50 percent of these just like radio kids you know just kids yeah that, they were like oh yeah i heard that song on the radio it's awesome i'm gonna go check this band out and then there were like the hardcore kids and it was like and it's Salt Lake at the time too, so it's brutal. Kids are just violent and whatever. Yep. And so, yeah, it was it was just fighting and like the kids were mad at us, like yelling stuff at us, you know. Like during the, I mean, the show was overall cool. If you saw a video of it, you probably wouldn't notice any of this, but like yep. we felt it, you know. We were like, oh man, like yeah, this is like worlds colliding here. There's like radio kids and like hardcore kids that hate those radio kids, you know, like all being forced to smash together and try to enjoy this band, you know? <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Well, so,
5: and I mean the, the fact that you, cause I mean, I, I, I personally obviously would not have insight into like you being able to see the tangible effects of like those songs that didn't fit into, you know, the earth crisis can, and be able to bring new people over and then yeah. ultimately have these people walking in like, because, you know, and I, I don't need to tell you this, but I just find it so funny where it's like, those are the kids where it's just like, dude, if Earth Crisis Slither is their gateway band, just think of how their life would have gone if they went to that hardcore show. And like, you know, they felt <laughs> welcome in some capacity. Not saying that didn't happen at all. Oh, but it's
6: true. Yeah. yeah. It, it's no, like, it's oh. absolutely. And, and that was a, you know, and uh, like not to that was absolutely part of our thing too i mean we hadn't given up on the mission by that point by any stretch of the imagination you know i mean we we hadn't we hadn't decided oh we're going to stop pushing veganism or a drug-free lifestyle like right. that you know environmental it's still or you guys yeah yeah i mean you know they're, they're, like you you just scan the lyrics on there and all those topics are are touched on every single one of them but like yeah i mean th- that was definitely part of it we were like you know what like i think we've done like what we can do in this world let's try to like go out into this like Ozfest crowd and try to tell some of these people about veganism you know yeah because you're, you you're know?
5: At, at that point like you clearly your message has filtered through the hardcore scene like you yeah. you you would be preaching to the you know the choir and the converted yeah. at that point so it's like just you know blowing a 15 year old kid's mind about veganism that just like you know listens to you guys and you know whatever other radio rock band it's like dude that is so valuable yeah, totally. Yeah.
6: And so. I mean and we were never, you know, I like we were never that band that didn't wear our convictions on our sleeves. Like when we played the Ozfest crowd, we said the same stuff as if we played, you know, you know, a hardcore show. Like it was always the same. And we knew, obviously, somebody's going to throw something. Somebody's going to heckle us. Somebody's going to say something, you know, not a popular thing to say right. at a, at a at a Ozfest show.
7: Right. You know? <laughs> yeah, you know, totally. It's
6: like we know that, you know. And, and so yeah, I mean these are all conversations that were had like while we were writing Slither and stuff. Like, look, I mean, yeah, this, this, this and that, and we've kind of done what we can do in this world. Let's try to let's try to branch out a little bit. And it was the truth of it was like we talk about this still amongst the band now because people in the band have different ideas on Slither. Um you know, as far as I like think if they're proud of it or if they're not proud of it or whatever. Sure. I think everyone's proud of it. I don't I don't think anyone's not proud of it. Um, proud of it for different reasons, I suppose, you know. Um, like I'm proud of it just because it was I felt like it was such a challenge for us, like musically, mm-hmm. just to step out of our comfort zone and just be and, and like Carl, you know, like for him to like put himself out there like that, like already being the target of hatred amongst you know, the hardcore scene and then to put himself out there like that on top of it, which clearly is 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 easy mockery, you know, totally. low hanging, low hanging fruit of mockery, you know. Yeah. And and for him to do that, it took a lot of guts, you know, and it's like
5: very you're very vulnerable at that point to do something publicly that you've never done before on record. And yeah, that's it's Yeah, yeah I agree wholeheartedly.
6: Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, for me, like, I'm proud of it in that regard. But, like, yeah, as far as like a, a direction for the band, I don't think it was, in hindsight, wasn't a good idea. I totally get why we did it. And I don't think, I don't think necessarily we should have done anything else because the only other option would have been just like break up then. Yeah. You know, it was just so, like, you know, yeah, totally. it would have been, you know. We either do yeah, this I record that or, that was, or we just done. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that was the thing. We were just like, we were frustrated. I mean, it was like, there was a lot of things i mean it was like you know we were touring with like vod a lot and those guys come from the hardcore scene but different like from us you know they started off on like roadrunner and labels like that and always had management and you know they they came from that world so like you know we're going out and headlining over them 90% of the time but like they're getting all this shit like all these perks and stuff and their life is easy and they got techs and like we never had techs ever not one time I had one tech one time in the entire history of doing earth crisis. And it was my brother (laughs) that I brought to Europe.
8: (laughs) Ah, that's so
6: good. Yeah. 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 Never. I mean, I, I never had that, you know? So we were seeing these guys and we're like, why do you have this shit? You know, like, like we're on the same label. We have management that's just as powerful as your management, but stuff like was happening where we, we were both on an anthrax tour and, um, like on select nights, all of a sudden we'd get there and they'd be like, oh, VOD's playing before you tonight or after you tonight. We're like, why? And it was because you have to play right at doors. And they had their management call and pull like power move kind of shit. And not, not to diss them. I love those dudes. Sure. But it was just business. It was business. It was stuff. business
5: and not for it. Right. Totally. Yeah.
6: It was business stuff. And we were like, we were like, well, what the fuck? You know what I mean? Like, what is this shit? Like, why, you know, why are we selling like, five times as many records as these guys, but we have nothing. They're riding around in a the bus. They got texts. They're getting choice of where and when they get to play every night. And we're just like getting pushed around, yep. you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah, our management, I mean, Scott Koenig is a friend, but, um, not, I don't think it was a manager. And I see a band, I, I see bands like deal with that a lot of times. It's like, you're not really getting a manager, you're getting a guy that has some connections that take that takes 10%, you know? sure and it's like you, you know a manager yeah it's like watch a couple old rock documentaries or something you'll see what a manager used to be like you know like yep. um you know a manager was like somebody that went to bat for you like crazy hard you know like th- these guys are like yeah sorry it didn't work out you didn't get that tour. We'll fucking call again you know <laughs>
5: totally push push <laughs> yeah, yeah like, push push real hard so yeah no, yeah. Those are, yeah those are different uh yeah, those are different structures, especially when you're talking about independent music as well, where it's just like, you know, a lot of the times these people are just, you know, kind of facilitators in a way. And it's like...
6: They are, big time, yeah. And it wasn't even... like, And I think they see a bands like, like Earth Crisis was, who were very DIY, like, you know, for years. And they were like, well, these guys know how to do it. This will be an easy gig. Like, they're not going to ask us to book their flights for them, because they book their own adults, flights. They're like, adults, right, yep. Yeah, they booked their own flights. They're not going to ask us to organize their rental van for their tour. They've done that over a hundred times. Like they know how to do that. Like, you know, we're not high maintenance. Like we're easy, but that's all the stuff that a manager earns is 10% by doing, you know, all the day to day garbage that you don't want to do. But we basically got a manager and they didn't handle any of that stuff because we didn't even really know what exactly does a manager do? Do we just hand all this stuff over? And then I think the few things that we did hand over, they were done poorly Or not the way that we liked it, so we were like, "Well, yeah, it was just basically a guy taking ten percent." Ultimately, I don't think we really benefited at all from any of it. But yeah, it was just yeah, it was that point, you know, like like I was saying, you know, after Gamoras, when people started taking interest, and then you start hitting these slides. Just get a lawyer, and then the lawyer tells you to get a manager, and then the manager tells you to do this, and then you sign with a label that wants to change all the stuff that you do that made you cool, all the stuff that made everybody like you, you know. And then starts yeah. putting ideas in your head. And then before you know it, you know, you're sure. just like, man, I don't know what happened. Let's quit. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so, no,
5: totally, totally. Which yeah. is a perfect segue into the, you know, when you and I met each other formally and started working together when, yeah. um, you know, To the Death came out. And I uh, I mean, obviously, as and I've shared this with you on, on multiple occasions where, you know, it, it was for sure like this weird dream come true fantasy life where i was just like i can't even believe that this guy's that i get to work with these guys and like you're normal humans and like just like all these things where it's like 15 year old me my mind was being blown to be like wait a minute i'm helping scott get earth crisis like back together to record like all this stuff just (laughs) didn't make any sense in my head um but i remember the, the biggest thing that I remember about the whole process is that, you know, and I know that you were also aware of this, where it's just like the nervousness of how people were going to react to the record. Because, you know, by that time you guys had done some, you know, reunion shows and like you had played out there and there was a general enthusiasm about the band. But like ultimately, you know, rubber hits the road. Well, how's the record going to react? Not even from a sales perspective, but just react.
1: And right, I remember, yeah.
5: And I remember it was really, really positive. Like people were genuinely excited about the record. And, um, you know, like, so uh, as you were, I guess, kind of like going into this and gearing up, it seemed like all of you guys were very enthusiastic about kind of not only the restart of the band, but, um, you know, just kind of marching forward with this record.
6: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like, well, I think one of the big pluses for it were it was sort of like, yeah, it was like a reset because, you you know, you have... We had like seven years. Like nobody stopped playing music. Everybody played music on some level. I still wrote a ton of music. I mean, I had a home studio. I was pretty self sufficient at that time. Like I learned how to program drums and so any ideas that I would still have, I had I mean, I had files and files and files of songs. So it when it came time for like, you know, okay, we're gonna do a record, it was literally like, dudes, here, here's twenty songs, pick ten you like, you know. And um, so it was like a lot, we had a lot of material. We had like a direction for the album, like as far as the sound of it and et cetera. And I remember like, a, uh, like one of the key points was, like, or kind of like the base point was we wanted it to kind of be in the vein of the song we did on the covers album that was like an original song. It was called Panic Floods. Mm-hmm. And that was sort of like, let's do, let's, let's like kind of like follow that band like that version of the band you know like let's try to do that which was sort of yeah which was sort of like um i mean in our in our minds i mean i don't think they ever come off like at the age that we're at if i if i'm like i'm gonna write a record like more season ends it might sound like that to me but it's not gonna sound like that to anybody else you know and uh and so in my mind like to the death was supposed to be destroy the machines the way that we wish it sounded you know and it doesn't Sound like Destroy (laughs) the Things? I don't think. (laughs) No,
7: yeah, it's yeah, it's it's close-ish though.
6: Yeah, I see that. I see that. Exactly. Right. Yeah. If you tell somebody, see, that's what I've I've found. Like, if I tell somebody, like, uh, hey, you know, so this record was supposed to be sort of like this. This was like the inspiration. They're like, oh, yeah, I get it. But they wouldn't have got it because I think it's subtle. It's like, you know, when I'm when I'm writing with that in mind, I'm not like I'm going to try to copy exactly what I did. I'll just be I'm going to use some of the same tricks that I used and just pepper them in here and there, you know? And, and I, so I think when you tell somebody, you, you point it out, they're like, Oh yeah. All right. I hear that. I hear what you're saying. But that was the idea. It was supposed to follow along the lines of that song, like panic floods, like, which I think would have been the next earth crisis record anyway, because that was like the covers album was after slither. And we were like, he's like, I want to have an original song on it. And we were like, okay. And we started writing a few songs, and that's that was the vein that they were kind of headed in for the next record. We weren't going to do like Slither too; like that wasn't the idea. Right. Like, Slither, like Slither was definitely supposed to be like the holy shit, what the hell happened here, you know? Situation. Sure, you know? sure. It was like an it isolated experiment. Came. Yeah, it was absolutely yeah. So anyway, but yeah, I mean, I even to this day, like of the the three. The reunion albums yep. you know since we got back together like yeah to the death of, uh, that record is like some of those songs in there go over just as well as like older songs like I, I,
0: that was it that was a baseball fans bet mgm is giving you the chance to win a prize every day during the baseball season step into the batter's box for bet mgm's swing for the fences free-to-play game Subject to eligibility requirements, rewards vary depending on market and expire 24 hours from issuance. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park.
2: Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured, not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value.
5: Exactly what I was going to mention where it's yeah. just like, because, you know, it, it's interesting too, where it's like, you know, the, and you see this and, you know, getting to know you over the time that we were working professionally together, you know, I know it was always a, a concern of yours where it's just like uh, over overstaying the welcome, where it's just like, yeah. okay, like there's there is no shortage of me being able to write music and our enthusiasm for the band, um, and that is always going to be at the forefront of what it is that we do. Like, you know, we're always going to be putting out records like that's just a fact, you know, <laughs> and like hopefully yeah. people will pay attention. Um, and, and I think the the way that you have pushed yourself, you know, since the, the band came back together and, and, you know, the records that you've done subsequently, um, but it, it did seem like to your point of these songs, kind of embedded themselves really, really well into your set, to where people then you know consider these like part of the you know canonical canon of Earth Crisis, where it's just like, oh yes, like this stands against Destroy the Machines, you know, Gomorrah Seasons ends, like it, it yeah. feels of that time.
6: Yeah, it uh, yeah they they yeah they really like we talk about that now. Like we can't really play, you know, too many. Uh, we, we always play, I uh, usually play a Slither song in there just to do it of course. and but it, but the funny <laughs> yeah, thing is yeah, if yeah. we throw the right one in like we usually do killing brain cells of
7: course like, so
6: killing killing brain cells like doesn't fe- i think people are tricked they're like i know the song but i think is it a was on gamora's like they don't remember like where it is because it, it it flows too it's one of those right. ones that f- yeah they go it just fall you know flows right into the set and then when they go home they're like oh damn it slither song you know but um Yeah, but like same, yeah, like to the death songs. Like that's one of the actually like against the current is one of the probably I'd say high points of a set at this point. Like it's a it's a set staple. It has to be in the set.
5: Sure, sure. yeah, 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 totally, totally. In a world
3: where everyone is confined to their homes, society begins its largest bin watch to date. In the hallowed library of Hulu or perhaps on a shelf of DVDs you haven't looked at in a decade is a show that perfectly encapsulates life in the early aughts
5: And then, you know, with, uh, with the next record, Neutralize the Threat, uh, by that time I had, you know, left Century Media and moved on and, um, the, you know, there, there was definitely, you know, I, I mean, I honestly <laughs> felt bad because, you know, I was obviously such a fanboy and in your pocket from that perspective and was really excited to, you know, help plan stuff with you guys on to the death and getting the record out there, um, you know, did it? Did you feel like? And I'm I'm not looking for a compliment here, of like, oh, like did you feel like my departure made this record less successful or whatever? Not going for that route, but just like, you know, clearly there was going to be a difference in the way that the record was kind of presented overall, just because it's like, Oh yeah, here's another record, you know, two years after we just released to the death or what have you. Um, what do you, so what did you kind of feel like going into this record? Was the, you know, I I know that you guys' enthusiasm was still, you know, existing in there and excited about the material. Um, but what did you feel kind of like, I guess publicly and like maybe the internal conversations you were having around the record?
6: Um, it was, uh, I mean, I th- the thing of, that's funny about it is I again I like kind of like with Gamoras I feel like neutralized threat is like I mean I love to the death too but I, I like neutralized the threat to me I really love that record mm-hmm. like I like I think it's some of like the coolest like strongest riffs like that I've ever wrote like I listen to it every once in a while and I'm like man I couldn't come up with something like that like there's some cool stuff in there pretty unique but it, I think that was so yeah the label stuff was really weird because it was like. I felt like I was getting introduced to somebody new like every other week, and I didn't really understand what role they played. Sure. And then, and then other times it, they were just cutting everybody like crazy. So it was like, so it would be like, oh, we don't have that department anymore. But like it was, you know, like that kind of thing. You know? <laughs> right, like what do you right. mean? What do you mean? Like I can't remember what it was in general, but I was talking. Yeah, I was just like, the person that was in in charge of like social media changed like three times, and like the A and R person changed three times, and not everybody was cool like it wasn't like totally nobody was bad nobody but it but it was just confused you know it was just a really like confused situation but i i had a blast like writing the record and i had a blast recording the record and um that was the first record we worked with zeus and he was awesome um we had we had a really good time working with him and I love it. I mean, I, I really love that record. Like, like again, like the last weekend that uh we the weekend a couple months ago where we did like Boston, New York, and um Philly. Sure. And Ian and I talked about it a lot in, in the van, and he was like, "Man, I yeah." He's like, "Neutralize is an awesome record," and I'm like, "Yeah, I feel like it's an awesome record too." Right. But we don't play any songs from it because it's just it's a forgotten record. Like, I, I feel like nobody, like, yeah, nobody really knows any of the songs. None of them really connected with anybody. Like the touring was bad. Like we had, we did this really terrible, like, um, the label was really pushing for us to do this like Cavalier conspiracy tour. And, uh, it was like, we wanted to do it. It wasn't like we were scoffing at at the band. Like we were like, yeah, we want to do it, but it just didn't work with like everybody's schedule. So we did a lot of like, fill-ins and stuff and it was just it was so weird like there was probably like four different versions of earth crisis that played on that tour and it was just like you know some of them were just carl you know we tried to limit that as much as we could but it was like they just really wanted us to do the tour like they were really pushing for us to do it and um so we were like, yeah, we don't want to, you know, we want them to support the record and and be happy about the band. So we'll fi- we'll figure out a way to make this tour work. But the tour was bad, so it wasn't even really worth it. I was like, for whatever reason, you know, they just weren't drawing people. And it was just like, I mean, we were play for fifty people in DC, and you know, it was just bad. It was just a bad tour for whatever reason. Sure. So yeah, not the the memories like of the when the record came out and the after, but. And I really like everything about it, I like the artwork. I like, it, you know, like I look back on it and like and listen to it occasionally, and I'm like, man, yeah, it's a bummer that that one kind of goes slipped under the radar. But yeah. sometimes, you know, it happens that people well, when you, start you, to catch on to things over time. You know,
5: totally, and and also, I mean, it's like when you're. You know, when you're this many records in deep into your catalog, it's like there's always going to be records that you know just get shuffled Absolutely. under the rug. So yeah, yeah. You can
6: look ad. at every band. You can look at every band and that ha- that's had a pretty long run and be like, oh man, I did, how come I never heard this Iron Maiden? You know, <laughs> totally. Well,
5: you know, but there's, uh, so, yeah. And, and to be and to be fair, it is one of those things where it's like the people that do listen to neutralize the threat will like uh, th- like you said like it's a good record it's not like one of those things where it's like you know every um you know late 80s hardcore band went you know hair metal and it's like oh why have i not heard this uniform choice record oh my right, god exactly. that's why right yeah. <laughs> so anybody yeah, that does exactly. find it will be uh you know will be happy and uh you know can add that to their repertoire of listening to earth crisis stuff as opposed to oh i see why people forgot about that record
6: <laughs> yeah you know and there's another thing that that actually that pops up now that was really frustrating and still is but but kind of pointed out you know brought a lot of things into light for me too like that like reading a lot of the reviews of it it was just like non-stop like comparisons to like bands that we inspired you know oh, and it was okay. like oh these guys sound like unearth now oh this record sounds exactly like chimera oh this you know it's like yeah those dudes will openly tell you that they are hugely inspired by earth crisis. You know, of, it, we're, we're like way older than them. Like go, <laughs> like, go, go back and do some, some research. Like you were writing the same stuff that, you know, in the same vein that we've always written it a little bit more, a little bit more, you know, 2015 or whatever year it was. But, Yes, yeah, so we're not we're not like emulating Unearth or Chimera, no. Like if that's what you think. yeah, you know. and yeah, yeah. But there was a lot of those references. Like I saw especially those two bands. Like, and I'm like, but but then it also so that shed the light a lot of this like man, you know, this genre that we did that was unique for us is super watered down. And and you know and there is so many bands that are doing the metal core thing that you earth crisis was unique for throughout the nineties. Like, you know, nobody, and there were a lot of bands doing it. I'll never try to say that we created it like by any stretch. Imagine people say that to me all the time. I'm like, no dude, there were bands. Like yeah, yeah, <laughs> there yeah. were a lot of bands that we emulated that came before us. You know, we might've been the ones that played it most to your town, you know, and came through your town the most, but there were a lot of bands that were doing it and doing it better than us in a lot of ways. But, um, you know, but yeah, like now it's like it's not unique. You know that that style of playing is not is not very unique. It's it's really a dime a dozen.
5: Yeah, well and, to, to your to your yeah. point, not to interrupt your train of thought, but the idea of like you know, I've always viewed hardcore and punk kind of in general as like on these four to six year cycles where it's like, you know, that that's kind of when a new generation of kids comes in and like, you know, very much like high school where it's like, you know, you're a senior, you see the freshman, you're just like, Oh, look at these dumb kids. And then, you know, by the time they're seniors and you look back, you're like, Oh wow, they're, they're kind of doing some cool stuff or whatever. It, yeah. And so it is weird when you then reintroduce and, and you know, not comparing, um, you know, earth crisis to the character of Matthew McConaughey and dazed and confused or whatever, where he's like, <laughs> you know, coming back. But like it, it, yeah. then, it The world, uh, from a critical perspective, then starts to collapse in on itself because people are then going to reference the bands that they know. um, You know, like whatever Chimera and Earth, like that's what they're going to reference. So they're going to be like, "Oh yeah, Earth Crisis kind of sounds like Suicide Silence," and it's just like, "What? Like, no, like that's not where we're coming from." Like, you need to place us in context, and not to say that to your point, like we're these pioneers where it's just like, Oh, everybody bow down to earth crisis. And we are the only like, you know, the band that anybody can compare it to, but you need to understand where this is all happening in the continuum as opposed to like you said, where it's just like, Oh yeah. So you guys are trying to sound like
6: an earth now. It's like, what? No, 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 no. Yeah. Yeah well that's yeah i mean yeah so many i mean reviews i can't even don't even get me started i hate reading reviews but it's like <laughs> sect de- SEC deals with that you know it's like well we put a record out and we use hm2 pedals and for every band that we every single review that we got on our last record was wow these guys like trap them right trap <laughs> them trap and i'm like to be quite honest nothing against trap them never heard a record in my life sure never never heard a trap them album i've never heard jimmy one time mention the band trap them never like yep. when we're sitting down writing songs, like trap them has never entered the conversation, you know, <laughs>
7: <laughs> totally, it's like,
6: totally, but it's, it's like, it's impossible. There's no way we sound exactly like that band trap. Them. So I go and listen to trap them. Yeah. We don't sound like them other than. They use HM2 pedal. We use HM2 pedal. Of course. So did Entombed. So did Disphere. So did, you know. It's yeah,
7: like,
5: yeah, totally. Yeah, you're going to yeah. put everybody under this one classification of the way that, you know, the equipment that they're using. And it's just like, yeah. no, that, yeah, it's, you know, a lot of that is is clearly just devoid of context. It's like, yes. yeah, you, But
6: it was so much of that. It was yeah. just like every. And I'm like, oh, God, how frustrating. You know, you do something. You do something. And for me, it was trying to do not Earth Crisis Part 2. You know, and I'm like, so I'm going to make this so out there, you know, like so completely different that people can't be like, oh yeah, sounds like Earth Crisis Part 2. And I'm like, but instead I did Trap Them Part 2? Shit, you know, like. <laughs> yeah, you're like, damn, I keep missing the mark, man. Yeah, I keep missing the mark, yeah. <laughs> but the, but it goes, to, it goes to like, you know, kind of my frustration and I guess like, you know, being older, I suppose, like you're just like, I think, I feel like it's all been done. Like I, like I sit down and I'll write a bunch of stuff. And again, I'm at this point where I have, files upon files of music in in my hard drive and I listen to it and I'm like, I don't know. I mean, it's cool, but I feel like it's, it's stuff that I've I've heard a thousand times. Am I, am I going to create something at this point in my age and in this, in this world, in this genre of oversaturated a million bands on the, where every time you turn on Instagram or Facebook or something, there's a dude writing a metalcore riff, you know, it's like, Am I going to really do something, put something out there that's really going to be that unique? It's, it's, it's kind of defeating. I feel like I think you got to be younger and just have that fire. You know, at this point I'm like, oh, I've written thousands of riffs, you know, yeah. Is, do I have one that's so unique in me left? <laughs> well, dude, <laughs> do gonna you're strike a chord.
5: Yeah. Not, not to give you a pass, but like, um, you know, when you're young, you're dumb and you don't have perspective. So you're just, you're marching through the world with, um, you know little to no care and obviously yeah. once you reach a certain age where you're just like <clears throat> oh yeah like uh, you know i i think it's a matter of you know, whatever, putting myself in your shoes, it's a matter of like not repeating yourself rather than focusing on the like, oh crap. Like, yeah, I, you know, I turned over all these stones and you know, like you said, you, you can go onto any digital media platform and find 17 other things that are similar to it. So, so
6: much. uh, Yeah. Yeah. You're right. And that's, that's all. And that's always been the, you know, that's always been my goal. Like I've never, I've never wanted to like write the same record twice. You know, I've never wanted to be like, oh yeah, let's just do that again. You know, where Carl is like, he he's he's about he's you know not that he's not about quality, but he's very much about quantity. You know, he's always like, dude, it's cool. Like you know, the last record we did is killer. It's got killer riffs on it. Like, I'm not saying that they're that I feel like any of them are bad or there's anything on there that I'm like embarrassed of. But I just feel like, yeah, it's like, what what can be done at this point, Jesus? It's like there's only so many things that I, that a person can do in this, in this yeah. genre,
5: you know? <laughs> no, it's no, like, totally, totally. And, I mean, and that yeah. that will bring us to the, you know, the most recent <laughs> LP that you guys did with uh, Salvation of the Innocents. Um, I thought yeah. it, it, it was cool because that record, you know, was the first time that you worked with a the same producer. You know, you worked with Zeus again. Um, yeah. And you know, clearly by this point you are you know so self-sufficient in regards to like preparing all the songs and like the way that you guys work together. you're dialed in, you're adults. like there's no pressure beyond just you putting forward what in your opinion the best music that you guys could put out there. Um, yeah. And it seems like the partnership with Candlelight worked well to expose you guys further to Europe because you know, clearly at this point it's like that's where most hardcore bands can you know live on longer than here in the states because people, like you said, Cycle through bands every three years or whatever. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, like, it, it, it seems like it was a very um, comfortable record. And I don't mean that in a uh, disparaging, like, oh, yeah, it's just another Earth Crisis record, but it just felt comfortable. Yeah.
6: Yeah. It was, it, it was pretty. It was like, you know, stretch, let's, let's like stretch the boundary a little bit. You know, we, we did a little slithery stuff on there. Where, like, there's some, there's some vocals, like, no, again, kind of what I was saying about Carl's vocals, like, it's not perfectly clean, you know, singing, but there's melody. Like he can, he, cause I was like, well, you can do this. Let's do this, you know? And, but yeah, it, you know, other than that, it's, yeah, it's similar to neutralize and to the death. And, um, but I mean, again, I, I, I listened to it and I'm like super solid, like songs, you know, like I'm proud of them. Like they flow really well. Like they're, but again, I think, you know, I had this conversation with with friends too, and I'm like, you know, but I think there's a point to that where like, that's not what people want to hear. Like, I'm proud of it because I feel like all the, th- you know, there's no rough edges in these songs. Like, the, the transitions are smooth. They, you know, you don't feel like anything was forced in. There's no parts that, that somebody, you felt like somebody had to, you know, put their boot on and be like, I want my part in this song, and 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 kick it in. Everything flows together with with, you know, grace. You know, but. There's a there's a point I think with a band like us where that sounds too uh, I don't know professional I guess and and then all of a sudden it's like oh yeah okay whatever like there's a little bit of that like rough around the edges like stuff that I think people like you know like again it's the difference it's the difference between like a hardcore band and a band that's heavy that's on the radio you know the band that's heavy that's on the radio has worked with somebody and rounded those edges you know. And I think I've just learned over time to round those ed- edges, just like I've d- I've written so many songs that I'm like, Oh, I don't like how everything feels jammed in. Or I've listened, I listened back to records and uh, that we did. And I'm like, man, that part really, I remember writing that. And I literally remember forcing it into the song, you
7: know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you right, know? Right.
6: whereas like now I have the luxury of being like, that's not working. Cool. Put that to the side, write another one, come back to that two weeks later. Oh, I know what needs to go there. Oh, flows perfectly well you know yeah right yeah so, like uh, yeah. it's
5: it's not it's yeah. not the idea of I, I mean most bands exist in this world when they're you know writing their first couple of records where it's just like it's just riff solid you're just like how what's the bridge i could do to put these two riffs together and yeah you right. just like throw crap at it and you don't know right, what to do right exactly
7: yeah
6: but there, there's yeah but there's something magical about that naive way to do it you know and it's and but you but it's but the sad part about it is you can't go back you know that's the hard thing. It's like you real you get to this point where you you hate that, like you hate those early days of the way that you wrote songs, you know, because you're like, oh, they're so unprofessional sounding, they sound so forced, and there's all these weird transitions and jagged stuff, and 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 then you realize like, oh, but there's like this beauty in those things, like sure. that, you know, that but but then you're like can I recreate that? You can't because then it'll sound like you're trying to recreate it. So it's like this,
7: it's just this,
6: you know, as you progress, you know, you just progress and you just have to do things the way that it feels good in your heart to do. And instead of trying to look back, because that's, you know, that's the, the big thing amongst all lot of bands. I think, you know, you start having this conversation and people are like, well, what we got to do is write a song like, you know, firestorm again or something like that. And you're like, can't be done. It can't be done. like, Yeah, and you know, there's always that band that's been around for 20 years that that everyone's like, this record is returned to form of their original. It's like, it's not. There's no way. <sighs> there's no way that anybody can be a band for 20 years and go back and write an album like their first record. It just doesn't, it's impossible.
8: Yep. Yeah, yeah. No. It, but it, it, you can it, try
6: and it might be course. cool. Of course. You know, but
5: you can put yourself in that that mindset, and you can just, you know, I I think the you know, the <laughs> biggest thing that I think you've mentioned on more than one occasion in this chat, it, it's the idea where it's just like you are following the logical progression and the lead of where you feel like you need to go. You know, like you, you know, sometimes you need to like take that hard step like you did with slither. Sometimes you just need to be like, Oh, well, no, like you said, you're putting the polish on this and you're making sure all the rough edges are sanded down. And then other times where it's just like, you you know, who knows, like when you put out the next earth crisis record in 2020 or whatever, and you're just like, Oh yeah, well actually, you know, I'm just going to throw a bunch of things at this and it'll be kind of like the earlier riff salad days, but it's not going to be that exact same thing. It's going to be that logical progression of what you're talking about.
6: Yeah. 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 And that's, yeah, that's the thing. It's like, I have, I think with, with earth crisis, there's always been, I think the thing that gets me personally motivated to do a record is when I come up with like a direction, you know, like I'll play a song or I'll write parts and I'm like, okay, that, you know, I'll write usually like a bunch of stuff. And then one thing I'll like, that's the direction. Like, that's where this is going to go. Like this record. Yep. But yeah, these days I'm just like, I don't know. I feel like all the directions have been, you know, <laughs> sure. All the roads have been <laughs> you combed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All the roads have been covered. Yeah. And <laughs> and I said that, like I did an interview with like no echo and I mentioned in there, like, yeah, I don't really see it. You know, I don't really see another earth crisis record. I don't know what it would be. I don't know what it would sound like. I don't, you know, I don't lyrically like what's left to be said. I I, I don't know, you sure, know? Sure. And, uh, yeah, you know, you know, people within the band understood and some were like, dude, you know, that sucks that you said that, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Don't don't say that. Close the door, bro. Yeah. 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 And I'm like, well, look, I'm not earth crisis. Like I'm one person and sure. I do a lot of stuff for earth crisis, you know, like at at this point, but, and I've, yeah, I mean, I've written quite a fair share of the music, but like, that's not to me. That's not to mean like Eric doesn't write and, and Ian doesn't write. I mean, Ian had a lot of writing on destroying machines and, and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, for me, like I just look at it and I'm like, yeah, I don't know. I just don't know where else to go. Like, and I don't want to just, I don't want to just churn something out just to do it, you know? But then there's another part of me that it's been brought up a couple of times just to do something that's not, um, I don't know, not like an official release, but new songs that are just kind of fun and for, just like people that have been with us forever and want to hear something, you know? And it's just, it would just be, it's not something where you get a label and there's going to be ads and all that kind of shit. It's like, Hey, here's four songs. What do you think? Cool. Hope you like them. Cool packaging. You know? Yeah. Like I could see myself, I could see myself doing something like that just because it's not, I don't know. It's not, yeah, there's zero pressure and it's not even so much pressure. It's just, it would just be like, yeah, I guess, I guess pressure is the way to put it. It's just, Yeah. It's just like, it's not as official. It's like, okay, this is just, this is fun. Like, this is like, we we wanted to do something cool with new packaging. And because the truth of it is like, if it was up to me, like I'd write Earth Crisis records all day, every day. Like I want to, I just don't know that it's really the smart move because I don't think there's anything musically or lyrically to be said anymore. Sure. you know,
5: sure. Right. Like, I mean, yeah, I'm, you, you want the, the space that it makes sense as it stands currently with you is the fact that you would like to be able to experiment on the earth crisis form, but obviously be able to give it a, a platform that is, you know, just like you said, just very casual. Just you, here's, here's three yeah. songs. Like, You know, this, some of it's going to sound like this, some of it's going to sound like this, but like, don't expect this as like this, you know, this, this really definitive uh, timestamp of what Earth Crisis is. It's just like, well, here's some more songs. Like, hopefully. Yeah. We were, we were,
6: we, yeah, we're friends. We had a blast working on these. If you like them, cool. You know? Cause that's the truth is like, you know, that, that's the real, that's the real pull is like, we have fun. Like we, we still have a good time writing music together. We still have a good time recording. We still are like impressed like we were when we were 16 at the end of it be like dude we did something cool like we wrote some real songs cool you know so that's like the real pull but at the same time i think you need to you need to step back and put the brakes on yourself a little bit and be like are we just doing this like is it what's the motivation you know is it just like is it just like are we doing it because it's for fun but i i feel like at this point too is like cheesy as it to say like i don't i don't want to like like earth crisis has what it has and it's been awesome and i don't want to like tarnish the legacy of it you know what i mean like i don't want to do something i don't want to do something that's like the definitive last stamp that's like oh that was the last thing they did and it was super bad or like it was super like watered down or because i just that's that's my problem i feel like what earth crisis does is very um watered down these days like i don't like the genre Anymore, sure. Like I, like I don't, like I hear it and I'm like, yeah, 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 I get it too. Right.
5: You know? yeah, you know? yeah, for sure, for sure. It. Right. Yeah. The the, I, the inspiration that you feel obviously leads you down the different roads. You know, like what you do with Sect and you know all the other yeah. musical projects you've done over time. And so it's like, yeah, you need to you need to find that space in which yeah, Earth Crisis comes up again, and it's like. Oh, yeah, actually, like, yeah, I feel inspired to lean into that. You're like, but yeah, as it stands right now, you're just like, no, it doesn't make sense right now.
6: (laughs) It doesn't make sense. Yeah, there's no inspiration. Everything just feels like, yeah, you hear stuff. And, you know, there's bands that stand out, like, that I'm like, oh, I love, you know, I really like these guys. Like those. But for the most part, it's like, you just hear it, and you're like, dude, it's just, and I get it. Like, for young kids, it's like, that's their thing, and, and that's the world and the time that they live in. So all this stuff is sort of, like, new and fresh, but and when you get old and you get jaded and you've heard it you feel like you've heard it all done been done a thousand times and maybe better a thousand times you're just kind of like uh you know i mean it's like it's like the new version of of like you know metal bands i feel like it's just been like meshuga for the last like 10 years you
7: totally. know yeah, it's yeah, totally.
6: it, it's just literally meshuga 10 years <laughs> you know yep it's like yeah, it's like you know whatever, like whatever you want to call, it. and that's the other thing. Like all these like subgenres of genres, it's like, dude, right? Okay, we're we're getting we're getting we're getting over ourselves now. Yeah, it's not nobody knows the difference between, totally. <laughs> you know deathcore and gent or whatever you know it's like totally
5: it's like this is yeah these are yeah. these are you know musical descriptions that appeal to such a subset of subset of people it's just like this yeah. is not it's not worth it's not worth investing yeah. investing this much time into it
6: but but at the same time like we're you know you know you and i and people of our age and we know we sound like dads totally. you know like when we say that we know like yeah that's some shit. My dad would have said when I was little. <laughs> you know? Yeah, like, but they wouldn't be talking.
5: They wouldn't be talking about hardcore. <laughs> but to yeah, be, yeah,
6: yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. if they heard it though, like if they came in our room, right, and That's they were true. like, and you, and you were playing Killing Time, and then you put on Youth it Today to <laughs> us, very different sounding bands. To yeah. them, they would have said, the "This all sounds ear. the same." Yeah, yeah. No, totally. This all sounds the same. Totally, you totally. Know? and so when I say gent and deathcore sound the same, some kids like, "What are you talking about?" Yeah, you know, you like, an
5: idiot. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're you're you're, yeah. you're speaking, but I mean, to be fair, it's, whatever. I'm giving you another pass here, but like you're speaking in generalities. Like you can hear the difference between the two, and you understand sure. the difference and the nuance. Yeah. But that's only because you've been steeped in it for you know twenty plus years. But yeah. musically it's not inspiring you to write the thing that is slightly different or, you know, I understand where you're coming from.
6: (laughs) Well, it's just, I just, yeah, I just feel like they don't, they don't require their own genre names.
7: Sure. You know what I mean?
6: Because (laughs) this dude has, because this dude has like a slightly gruffer vocal style than that dude, or this dude doesn't sing. You know, there's like such subtle differences between the music. It's like, you know, it's like obituary and deicide were different bands, but they were death metal, you know? Yeah. Like, no, no, I totally they, understand what you're saying. Yeah. They about, didn't yeah. require, they didn't require uh, different, uh, genre names because one tuned to C standard and the other was a, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. And, th- and that's essentially what's happening now. It's like, subtle differences between metal and all of a sudden you got a new genre you know yeah
5: no no totally totally (laughs) well uh, Scott this has been so much fun for me you've dropped so much awesome knowledge that uh, yeah, all these (laughs) these anecdotes that I, I never would have known unless I asked you these questions and we went down all these rabbit holes so dude this has been super fun thank you
6: oh man it's awesome yeah I had a good time
5: wow that was a doozy right I like I said, there were there were times where in the middle of the conversation with Scott, I pressed mute on my end of the mic and I would just be like, Are you kidding me? This is insane. I can't believe this. I never even knew this or whatever. I just was um I was so stoked. And anytime I know that I'm getting stoked while the interview is happening, I know personally that it's a good one. So, thank you very much, Scott, again for uh, entertaining this uh, this idea. So that was uh, that was fun, and hopefully, I'll be able to do that in the future for uh, other bands and you know all that stuff. So, anyways, the guest next week is Brent Mills from Greyhaven, who is a very very good hardcore band on the uh, newer side of things. So they're signed to Equal Vision. Uh, got a got a heavy thing going on, sort of technical metalish hardcore stuff. I really enjoy what they do. So um, yeah, that's what we got next week. Brett Mills from Greyhaven. Great. All right. Until then, please be safe, everybody. You've been listening to the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Jabberjawmedia.com. Shh. Hey, Miles. Yes. It's Jack.
3: the life drained from their soul.
0: Yeah, I think at The Daily Zeitgeist, we like to give people a balance of just enough news that they feel informed and just enough laughs that they're not overwhelmed and can have a decent day after listening.
3: So guys, listen to The Daily Zeitgeist on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever fine podcasts are given away for free.
8: The show is sponsored by BetterHelp.